Now I feel better. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Fourth String Sports Podcast. I'm your Dungeon Master, sorry, podcast host, Brady Russell, joined by my uh, fellow podcasters here, Mitch and Skyler. Gentlemen, how are we doing on this fine Thursday evening um, in the crux of just an insane couple of sports days that have happened here? Yeah, man, it's been a good week for me. I mean, Aaron Rodgers come back, obviously. Marquette and Michigan lost today. Baseball's coming back. It's been a pretty good week. Um, for me, it's been an okay week. Uh, for Big Ten officials, watch out. I'm coming for your fucking throat. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's, that's fair. That's, that's, that's fair. That's fair. Um, the, uh, <laughs> the, uh, uh, Oh shit! I had a joke that I was gonna say. Oh, um, the uh, the Nebraska Big Ten tournament hopes last uh, doesn't quite last as long as Johnny Davis's injured ankle. Um, <coughs> but uh, hey, they put up a great half. Yeah, they put up a great half. Yeah. Um, no, no, no. It's I thought that it was really funny, not to rag on Skyler at all, because he has every right to rag on Wisconsin with the Huskers beating the Badgers, costing them a Big Ten title. Um, but. Uh, I thought it was really funny after the game when Northwestern was like, we're the real NU only for them to just get fucking smoked by Iowa today. That shit was so funny. I'm, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, like to Northwestern, you guys are very smart. You guys are better in most sports, like men's, at least men's athletics than Nebraska is. But like nobody thinks Northwestern and thinks NU. I'm sorry. Like, we we own both NU and Go Big Red. Both of y'all can fuck off. <laughs> yeah, and the black I, I shirts. Think of North- and the black shirts. <laughs> yeah, when I see NU, I think of North Fight you on that University. one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> Northeastern. Northeastern, yeah. Um, uh, perfect. Well, we've got – I mean, we've got an insane sports week. Mitch has already talked on some of it. MLB baseball is back after a 99-day lockout. Uh, they chose not to take it into triple digits. Um, Aaron Rodgers has returned to the Green Bay Packers. We don't necessarily know the full details on his contract, and so there's going to be some of that stuff we're not going to be talking about, such as, like, what do we think happens to Jordan Love? Uh, but in a huge blockbuster trade, almost immediately after the news that Aaron Rodgers uh, is going to be coming back, Russell Wilson gets traded to the Denver Broncos. Today it breaks that Khalil Mack is going to get traded to the Chargers pending a physical. Carson Wentz gets traded from the Colts to the Washington Commanders in exchange for a couple of uh, third round picks that could turn into second round picks and other second round picks and stuff like that. Um, and then, uh, and then we're getting ready for March Madness. It's already kind of been a little bit crazy as the, uh, as the conference tournaments have started up a couple of teams have already locked a place into the dance and uh, we will be doing a uh, basketball, a March Madness centric mini episode here in the next couple of days. Once we have the bracket solidified, um, did we ever figure out who won the bracket challenge last year? You did. Did I really? Do I just win everything on this show? <laughs> so, oh, wait, it's like it's so rigged. humble. Hold so on, wait, humble. wait, 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 wait. So I won, I've won, I've won the fantasy football two years, the pick'em two years, and I've won. So every competition we've done on this show, I've won. It's almost like it's rigged. Yeah. Damn. I'm much better. Yeah, than it's I almost thought. like it's rigged. How? Yeah. Well, no, I can't say How? that. I can't How can say you that. Say I control fantasy yeah, football. Skyler, yeah, Skyler <laughs> controls it though. But yeah, Brady keeps winning like it's rigged. I I have to go into it one more time just to like show my frustration to the viewers. Okay, this man has been <laughs> even a minute. This man has single-handedly made me ten times more competitive than I was designed to be because of our childhood together. And then 
And then I do this podcast with him. It's all in good fun. We do these fun competitions. I have a great time with it. I put so much time, effort, energy, and research into the picks that I make, into the things that I do, into which players I'm going to draft, into what picks I pick. He does it on a fucking whim, and he beats me every time. Gotta (laughs) trust that gut feeling, man. When you have IBS as bad as I do, you'll learn to trust your gut. Um, With that... (laughs) Didn't know that. Oh, man. I had had a bourbon bacon burger from Wendy's today. And I, I got to tell you guys, we're going to be, it's going to be a struggle to get through this. Yeah. So to the listener at home, yeah. thank God smell vision doesn't exist yet. Um, <laughs> with that being said, fun, fun episode here. We're just vibing. Let's, uh, let's talk about the MLB uh, lockout. Uh, so we guys, we should have had baseball uh, start already. Spring training should oh, yeah. have, yeah. should have happened. Um, they had already canceled the first two weeks of the season, but uh, the lockout officially ended, and I apologize for the squeaking. My dog is playing with her toy in the background, and my uh, so. Uh, no, I just put an emphasis on everything. I'm just yeah, 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 yeah. I actually have yeah. It's my squeak toy that I'm pressing to put emphasis. <laughs> um, after 99 days, the MLB lockout ends. There's a couple of rule changes. We're not going to go over all of them because, frankly, not all of them are interesting. But um, there are a couple that we do really like. Um, so with the rule changes and with just the lockout being over gentlemen, uh, what are your, what are your thoughts on it? Do we think that this accomplished what it was meant to accomplish? Um, do we like the changes that have been made and how much more of a joke has Manfred proven himself to be over these last couple of months? I don't understand why they couldn't just start this in December and then everything with the same time frame would have been figured out in January when you'd have to go through all this bullshit. Um, I'm glad I got figured out. I think they both sides knew the players association and Manfred and the owners knew that if for some reason, the whole season got canceled, their sport would be dead. Let's be honest. They would have lost a majority of the average fans and the diehards are all like, you know, senior students basically. So it would have been bad for them. Um, I do like some of the rule changes, especially universal designated hair. I've always thought that was an asinine rule that the AAL got a designated hair, but the NL has to use a pitcher. So I'm glad that's in the mix now. I do like the pitch clock rule because it just takes so much fucking time to watch the pitcher get ready for like five minutes and keep having to repeat that. Um, And then I am kind of sad about the 12 team playoffs. Uh, just because I do love the single game wild card playoff games, those are so much fun to watch. Um, I I like the expansion of the playoff. It seems like that's where every single uh, major sport is going, and I think that it, it's just them following the trend. I think for MLB, you really can't be playing it conservative anymore. I'm sorry, you're of like of the five major sports in the United States. Um, you used to be number one, number two, right around there. And now you're third and in danger of becoming fourth, honestly, because more and more Americans are starting to enjoy soccer and more and more young people are starting to enjoy soccer because, and more and more people are enjoying watching it on TV. I, I will tell you this right now. I love watching soccer a hell of a lot more than I like watching baseball on TV because it goes very quickly. This it's very fast paced. Um, and it's interesting. 
like it, it's very interesting to watch whereas mlb takes for like baseball takes forever um it, you can have a zero zero like people complain about soccer that it's a zero zero game and then there's a tie it's like well i can go 12 innings before somebody gets a fucking run and that's five hours of my life i'm not getting back whereas in whereas in soccer it's only an hour and a half and i'm good um so like those are the kinds of things as a as a as a person that you know played baseball that enjoys baseball like that's something like you can't play conservative anymore you need to be making sure that this young gener this this next generation of baseball fans are getting really into baseball and that and so the rules really help in all of that expanding the playoff having a, a pitch clock um being able to uh, have a designated hitter rule for all of uh, for both leagues, like those kinds of things, um, even getting an international an international draft in that makes sense. I don't understand what the problem was with that between the owners. Like, again, it just seemed more like it was something between the owners and the players where the owners were looking to screw over the players again. Like, that's just really what it's come down to. I still think that Manfred is a joke among commissioners and that's with Roger Goodell being a commissioner right now. Like he makes Roger Goodell look like a person that's competent at his job. That's how bad Manfred has ran the MLB. Um, and again, it's it, the like I agree with Mitch. I think that they've already lost a huge viewership. We're talking; they almost hit a hundred. They almost hit a hundred days, and it barely made news. Like in the sports world, people were barely talking about it. Like we didn't care because you know we have March Madness and we have, um, and we have fucking uh, uh football. We have the draft going on. We have free agency. We don't really care. We have the USFL. We have the USFL people like seriously, like people right now aren't really caring about baseball. And so if MLB wants to continue to be a major uh, factor in uh, uh, professional sports in the United States, it needs to get back to that place where they are encouraging younger generations like I'll t- say it, the MLS has done a great job of doing that by building up camps um, and uh, partnering with ESPN and Fox and uh, Fox sports and these things. And, and the United States football Associ- uh, soccer association has done great by promoting the sport among younger, younger generations. The MLB isn't doing that. And so again, these are good steps to go in the right direction, but you can't have another lockout. You need to work with your players. You need to start making, taking steps that got, I'm like about to say it, that the NFL has where you're, you're seeing the complaints that they have. You're trying to make amends for what's happening. Yes. You have some mess ups and some of that old history comes up that we're like, Oh my God, the NFL used to do this, but you need, you need to take those steps to start making it right. Cause if you don't, then we lose probably the most unique sport that America has, which is baseball. And that is an ingrained part of our culture and our, our identity. And even as much as I don't like it, I don't want it to go away either. So those are my thoughts. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I think that like peak Americana is opening day of baseball season, you know, but I think that you are like, I think it's a very fair point to make that frankly people just don't give a shit and now don't get us wrong we're all slightly biased right i don't think any of us watch baseball unless it's the postseason as is um but there's the diehard fans who care about baseball and who's always going to care about baseball but yeah exactly but we've we sat there and we've said that if 82 games is too many in the nba 162 is way too many in mlb um it's just not interesting to watch Right. Like I've, I've seen people, especially like I used to get into it with soccer fans who used to sit there and tell me that in football, um, American football, the ball is only in play on average 11 minutes of the 60 minute football game. 
I I don't know what the exact number is. I'd love to see how 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 long the ball is actually in play in baseball in a nine inning game. It it it's ridiculous. So little happens in such a ridiculous time frame that it's just not interesting to watch to 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 the unfortunate like short term um, focused society that we exist in today. Right, the twenty four hour news cycle society means that nine innings of baseball just isn't interesting to people. Um, I love the 12 team playoff. I think that it's, I, it, it feels like it's right in that sweet spot. 40% of the league makes the playoff. That seems just about correct. That way it's not a situation like the NBA where you have 10 of 14 seeds possibly making the playoff um, or the NFL where even 14 of 32 kind of seems high um, as we haven't seen wildcard teams be as successful Sands, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers a couple years ago. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, I love the 12-team playoff. I love the designated hitter. Again, I, it never made sense to me why the NL wasn't allowed to use one, but the AL was. Um, and I'm sure that a baseball fanatic can, can, could have explained it to me. Um, I just think that baseball is a joke and it's going to continue to be a joke until they take the active steps, like Skyler was saying, to reimmerse themselves in the community. And baseball, do you know where that starts? It starts by investing in the small market teams. If there is one thing that we have seen throughout the sports world these last couple of years, it's that when big franchises like LA win a fucking championship, no one gives a shit. No one gives a shit. But when you have a small market team like Cincinnati, like Tampa Bay, who end up getting to a championship, let alone the possibility of winning one, the whole world gives a shit. We saw what Milwaukee was with the Bucks championship run. We saw what like the love that the fans of Cincinnati gave the Bengals. We've even seen what the fans of Kansas City have given the Chiefs. Like, you don't have that adoration in baseball in those large market teams, with the exception of the Cubs when they're relevant and probably the Boston Red Sox. And even then, I like Boston is not a small market team compared to baseball standards, but compared to the rest of the sports world standards. I get it. Um, baseball, you have to, you have to invest in those small market teams because those are the people who are playing baseball. The people who are playing baseball are the small market teams. They're the, they're the people who are as invested in the AAA team that's down the road as they are the MLB team that's sitting in a, in a big city. And until baseball gets that through their fucking head, that the future of baseball isn't in Los Angeles and San Francisco, but it's in Kansas and Iowa and Nebraska and small market areas, baseball is going to continue to wither on the vine and die. Well, another thing that you have to do is that I'm sorry, but I'm going to say this baseball is the whitest sport that exists, except for hockey. And even hockey is starting to accept more minorities into its sport. Like you're starting to see more of that because like, because the two, like football who used to have that claim, like has done, has taken great steps into ingratiating itself with not only it's uh, the black community that enjoy football, yes. but also with the Latino and Asian communities that enjoy football. Uh, basketball has always been and always will be a predominantly minority sport, and th- and they are run by minorities. Like you're seeing that they're more my, more black and minority owners are starting to try to get in yeah. there. You're starting to see those kinds of things. Baseball has lost touch with its minority population. Like I feel like that's a big thing. Like I go, I agree with you. Get in touch with that small market. Mm-hmm. Get in touch with the minority, like minority populations that used to, like fucking love your sport, uh, specifically Latin Americans, like mm-hmm. Cuban Americans, um, and like go go to Puerto Rico, Miami, um, and and places I think that's in Texas. Where this international and, draft thing will assist, you know. Hopefully, hopefully, because I, I would you push can't. Back on that. 
because you can't you can't think of you can't think of sports like baseball. I can't think of sports without like the amazing uh uh international players and like minority players that helped like trailblaze the sport like you have jackie robinson who not only was the first that broke the color barrier but was also just an amazing player by himself i think of david ortiz who just got elected into the hall of fame as a dominican like baseball player is one of the most popular people in his own country but also within the city of boston um i i i, I think of each uh like each ichigo like yeah like how amazing that guy was and how amazing that we absolutely loved him and how long his career was and he's one of the the universally loved players but then also (laughs) guys like Derek Jeter and Alex Rodriguez who came from those backgrounds Albert Pujols baby Albert Pujols like those guys that came from these backgrounds that we enjoyed growing up that not only um made it fun for us to watch baseball but also made it like uh, um like it, it made it um like it, it makes it more socially acceptable because I'm sorry, like if you're a young minor, like if you're a young black man or a young uh, Hispanic uh, man in, in, in like our country right now, you have sports that are more entertaining or more, or that are more supportive of you in, in our country right now in basketball and soccer and in football. Like those ones are, are, are looking more towards like your generation and are more, more, more easily accessed. I would say like Fernando Tatis Jr. is, a, is like, you need more guys like him because they bring that outreach to those, to those people. They make baseball cool. And you want more of that because we can all name players that when we were growing up, they were like, that's a cool baseball player. Like Albert Pujols absolutely loved Albert Pujols. He was my favorite player growing up but like between Tatis and maybe Mookie Betts like there's not a ton of those guys anymore where it's like they make baseball look cool because you have a lot of them that are like like the the rules that are being installed and like the guys those guys like when you because think about it you could have had Kyler Kyler Murray in in the MLB you could have had Russell Wilson in the MLB these guys are choosing to go and play football over baseball because of not only just the kind of money they can make but also because like the idea of the spotlight being on them is just so much easier and it's so much cooler to play football than it is baseball so like you're seeing that already I would push back on that a lot. Um, I don't think it's a totally white sport. I think it's, I do agree like within the black community, it's not really as popular. I would say it's kind of like with hockey with the black community, but like the Latin, like America and like Asian community, it's like huge, especially in the Dominican leagues down there, you know, Korean baseball is pretty like huge. Um, but I think I think kind of the point that Skyler's making to that is that those are separate leagues. This is MLB. You know, I think like yeah, maybe, but it, the maybe, baseball, the sport is huge down there, and sure. they do have the leagues where they come up. It's kind of like a minor system, and they all come to you know the U.S. to play in the big league, kind of like how you know the international league with the NBA mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And I do think we have a lot of cool players. It's just what we kind of look where we're talking about with the problem with the LLB, they don't market themselves um, because you do have a, a Fernando Tatis, but you also have a guy like Shohei Otani, who's like had a huge season. He's really cool because yeah. he can pitch and he can hit and he's got a cool anime cover coming for the MLB game. Which is awesome. Um, and you got guys like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Um, and there's a lot of like minority like I would say like the top 10 of baseball to me right now is like all minority players and you wouldn't get into what like white players until a little bit after. So I just think that's the huge problem. I don't think it's sure. 
yeah. I think it's more of a marketability issue than actual like we need more um you know minority players to be interested in this or minority like ownership because i mean the marlins is, has an asian female running it and they've been doing great and there's yeah. other instances like that as well um so i think that's their biggest issue yeah no i think, I, I think no, yeah i think that makes sense though because like i can name like the top 10 players in the nba i can name the top 10 players in the nfl i can name top 10 player i can go college ranks for both of those teams i can like tell you who the best teams are in those leagues but like in the mlb i'm shooting i'm i'm yeah. I'm drawing a blank every time. So like I I would probably agree with that more is that the marketability of those who the top ten players are in the MLB is is horrible. It's horrible. Whereas like I can even look at the MLS and be like, I know that the the Timbers, um, the uh New York like right like the uh FC New York, um New England Revolution, like I can be like, these are the guys, these are the teams that are doing good in the MLS, where it's like, okay, I know LA is gonna be good, I know Boston's gonna be okay, I know Milwaukee's gonna be okay. But, like, what happened to Chicago? I thought Chicago was good. Chicago's not good anymore. What happened to – like, I still don't know what happened to St. Louis when they stopped being a good team, whatever that was. So, it's like – like, ye, like there is – like, yeah, I agree with you, Mitch. There's an out of – there is something about the MLB where it's just the marketing for it as a sport. It's not working. And that's the thing that I, I would agree. That's more of what needs to change, but they still need to not take for granted the – like, they need to do more like that. NBA and the NFL and even the MLS and like specific outreach to those communities because then they start taking that connection to that community for granted and then you start losing those pl- those those groups because they are more interested in the in the the uh, sports that are actually showing them attention if that makes 100% sense. 100% agree with you, Skyler. 100% agree with you. Sounds good. Yeah, I mean, I think that like baseball baseball is a model that can work. Like we all know minor league teams that are beloved by their communities. Like we joke yeah. about the Savannah Bananas, we've joked about the Jacksonville Jumbo Trash Bananas. Pandas, the Trash Pandas. The trash like, pandas. like we've all like Milwaukee there Milkman. are exactly there are <laughs> communities that adore their minor league baseball teams and minor league baseball teams that can turn a profit doing that. But until MLB invests in those minor league teams as much as they do, and even those minor leagues like the Dominican League, the Korean League, the Japanese Baseball League, like all of those other leagues, like until they do that, they're not going to see a return on their investment there. I think that my last kind of point to what you guys are saying is, is that I think a beautiful example is maybe the way that the MLB talks about their players, right? Like if we look at the narratives behind guys like Yasiel Puig and Fernando Tatis, and we compare them to the narratives around Clayton Kershaw and Cody Bellinger, I think that there's two very different narratives and two very different types of coverage that you see happening in the MLB. And I think that, I think that that goes into marketability hundred percent, but I also think that goes into like a deeply, uh, a deeply racist issue within baseball uh, and an issue that's affecting football as well, which is that you have virtually no minority representation on ownership boards and in governor's boards of these, of these teams. And therefore these teams don't have any touch or reach into their communities. And it's, it's, it's this weird catch 22 where it's like, you can't be a big market team. You can't be a Los Angeles team or a New York team or a Dallas team or a Chicago team without also, you can't be successful in those markets without the minority communities. And when you actively yeah. choose to, you know, isolate or ignore those minority communities, your team withers on the vine and dies. Um, but well, I'm like, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you like something, like just one more quick thing. Yeah. The reason that Nebraska sports are so beloved and it's not just football, but it's all sports in Nebraska is because the University of Nebraska does a great job on the weekend. 
because we can couch up on the weekends. We fucking love it over here. Um, but like, but because of the outreach that the that the university has and the connection it has within the community. I mean, for God's sakes, how many how many universities can you say absolutely love their baseball, like their university's baseball? Not many. Maybe Vanderbilt, like Vanderbilt, like there's a couple, like there's a couple, yeah. there's a couple of them, but like the university of Nebraska, absolutely. Like we show up our, we have a sellout streak for our baseball team. Like there's like, like that's not something that college baseball has, but like, because the university is so ingrained within our, our state. And again, it, it helps that it's really the only sporting team in our state too, that like actually matters, mm-hmm. but like that's still, but that's still, it's like, even with like, when we have, like just recently in the women's Big Ten tournament, the two games that Nebraska played, the Nebraska women played, were the two uh, had the two largest audience of any Big Ten game ever in women's basketball. So like that just goes to show that like if you take the time to invest in your community and specifically within like not just like the minorities of your community, but even in sports that usually have smaller audiences, that those fans will repay you. And turning out to watch uh, volleyball, to watch women's basketball, to watch whatever sport, if you show that you're interested in the community, they will turn out to watch. I mean, for God's sakes, Wisconsin's a great example of like the time, effort and energy they put towards their volleyball team. Like how much the state of Wisconsin absolutely appreciates that volleyball team. So it's kind of like a mixture of all of the points we've been making. Take like take do not take advantage of your small markets. Do not take advantage of your minorities that exist within your community. And for God's sakes, fix your, fix your fucking marketing. Mm-hmm. Because if you could do those three things, baseball can become a very, very interesting and amazing sport again for the American public. But if not, you're going to become the fourth most important sport because I'm sorry, I don't see hockey ever getting, getting out of fifth place right now. But like, like, like you, you are going to lose to soccer. Like, because soccer is becoming an increasingly more important sport to the fact that I'm even trying to convince these motherfuckers to watch it with me. Like, like that's some, it won't happen anytime soon. But like that, that's I'll part watch of it. France lose, but that's that's about it. Um, <laughs> so let's uh, no, no, let's let's move on to a happier note here. Let's talk about football. So, gentlemen, we have plenty of direction that we can we can talk about. Do we want to start with what's going on in Green Bay? What's going on in Seattle, Denver? What's going on in Indianapolis, Washington? What's going on in Chicago, should, Los Angeles? Should we just go chronological? Go chronological. Well. So chronological yeah. starts with, with Aaron Rodgers announcing via the Pat McAfee show and then later confirming it on Twitter um, that he will be returning to Green Bay for year 18, um, meaning that he will actually be the first Green Bay Packer quarterback to stay on roster for 18 seasons. Favre and Starr didn't do that. Both of them capped out at 17. Um, the Green Bay Packers then quickly turned around and placed the franchise tag on Devontae Adams, making him the highest paid franchise tag player. Um, there's a couple of other players on the franchise tag that we can definitely talk about in this conversation, um, but we've also got individual team highlights that we're going to be doing here as the draft gets ready and post-draft. Um, so let's let's just talk about the Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams situation. So doom and gloom for a while there with the green Bay Packers um, quickly leads to everything looks greener on uh, uh, in Lambo with Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, both looking like they're going to come back next season. What's your guys just reaction. Do you like the fact that Aaron Rodgers is coming back? Do we think that it's the right move for green Bay? Do we think that he had better prospects somewhere else? What's your guys' thoughts? And then maybe similar questions for Devontae Adams also. Yeah, I kind of feel conflicted about Aaron Rodgers coming back. Um, I th- 
he's been really good, obviously, in the regular season. He's the back-to-back MVP of the league, obviously. Um, but when it comes to playoff times, it feels like it's been different. And that's why I was kind of ready to move on. Like, I've said it several times on the show and right after Brady, after we watched that game live in person, that it was time to move on to the Jordan Love era or just the next era in general, uh, just because it hasn't been working when it comes to the games that matter. Um but, you know, he's good enough. He's guaranteed when he's healthy to get you to the playoffs. I just think they can't do the same old, same old when it comes to building the roster. I think they have to do things different and build the team in a way where maybe Aaron Rodgers isn't the focal point of how they win, whether it's, you know, investing more into the run game, which would make sense since we're in a cold weather state. And if we're going to be getting these home playoff games, then that makes a lot more sense than uh, just trying to chuck it up and hope, the guy that Devontae catches it in triple coverage down there. Um, so I feel kind of conflicted about that, just of how they're going to go with that. And then Devontae, um, I think they'll get a contract extension soon. Like I would expect it this weekend just because of needing that cap room. Um, because there's no way we can carry a $20 million cap charge into the one free agency begins. So I think that'll be good. Um, you know, obviously that connection between him is pretty lethal uh, between Rogers and Devante. Um, and yeah. Um, I've made my thoughts of the Packers front office situation and how they run their team and my disagreement with it very strongly over the last two years that we've been doing this podcast. Um, and I'm kind of holding on to that. I kind of agree. I'm, I, I, cause I'm, I'm not going to budge from it. Cause I don't, I don't see anything that they've done. Um, that makes me think otherwise that what they're doing is actually working for this team or working for the fans. Cause I'm sorry, the Packer fans deserve better. Like I'm going to say it because you guys are a very loyal fan base. And as a, part of a very loyal fan base there's eventually becomes a time where you need to you need to break that like that cycle and you need to just start brand new it's rough it's horrible i hate it but hopefully eventually we'll get back to what we used to be and i think that the packers need to eventually own up to that because you've had three hall of fame quarterbacks and you only have four. You only have four Super Bowl champion, like Super Bowls. Well, I mean, like that's, let's, let's see here. Well, to be fair that if you're going to say that Bart Starr won three world championships before he won two true. Super Bowls. True. But you're right. I, you're you, right. But they, like, I understand like, okay, what you're so saying. Your most successful quarterback is Bart Starr. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. Like in Hands terms down. of like, in terms like most successful Bart Starr, which is kind of unexcusable thinking of the two other quarterbacks that you've had. Mm-hmm. And and Brett Favre, who revolutionized what would be the early 2000s version of what, or the 90s, early 2000s version of what a quarterback will be. And then Aaron Rodgers, who's like completely and totally transformed what a 2000, what the uh, 2010s uh, early like version, because without Aaron Rodgers, you don't get like it, like without Aaron Rodgers style of play, you don't get a Patrick Mahomes, in my opinion. It's a very similar style of play. Mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes has just perfected it. So, um, or, or and like all of these young quarterbacks that are thinking of being first round picks, like it's all very similar Aaron Rodgers style of playing. Mm-hmm. Um, you, I, you need to change what you're doing. You need to change what you're doing. Um, I think that Aaron Rodgers keeping him. Okay. If you're going in that direction, then I agree with Mitch. You need to revitalize this roster. You, you need 
a consistent wide receiver option besides Devontae. You need a consistent running back option. Or if you're going to do with a two, go with a two running back set, you need to commit to it. You can't like you need to commit to your options of what you have around Rodgers so that there's stability. And I know that they're with injuries, um, with trades, with some things like that, it becomes unforeseeable that there's it's football. There's always going to be things that you can't understand, but you need to bring a sort of stability to the offense so that even if you take Rodgers out of like so it's not just Rodgers and then you need Rodgers to buy into what's happening in this situation because what we've seen is that if he doesn't buy into it he's going to change the play and then it's going to screw you up like these two guys were saying in that in that playoff game against san francisco how many times like you guys both said you can tell how many times lafleur called a running play he audibled it and changed it at the line like you can't have that It, it doesn't work for you you need some unity in the system a unity of purpose and then that's how you that 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 more than anything is what made the Patriots that the Patriot Brady Belichick so good is there was a unity of purpose. They understood that what each person's job was, was what they're best at. I don't think that you guys have reached that yet. You guys are still a very, very good team, but there needs that, there need that, that part needs to happen. And you need to continue to do what you do well in terms of draft and develop. You do that very, very well. And so that's why I trust you guys. Why I get so angry with you guys. It's like draft a wide receiver. Well, we don't need a draft wide receiver. We have all the draft wide receiver because I know that you can draft and develop a good wide receiver and you've kind of done it, but the guys that you have in uh, St. Brown and, and uh, St. Brown has rocks for hands um, MVS and um, Lazard Lazard can't stay healthy to save their, save their life. Devontae Adams is a great option. You have uh, Tunyon and uh, who was the backup this year? Deguara, Deguara, Deguara. were both good options, but again, that helped. So was Mercedes. Helped. I mean, Mercedes Lewis was the other. So backup. Mercedes Lewis came out of the grave. It was amazing. Um, you guys need help at the linebacker position. Um, you guys have started getting some of that, which is really awesome. And like, but again, it was like injuries killed you between Jair and Zadarius and uh, Bakhtiari. Um, Bakhtiari that like didn't help. And so like, like I'm, I'm hard on the Packers because I can see that like, like you, they're stubborn. And like they try to stick to their ways, but you need to mesh part of what works for other teams with what works for you. So I'm not saying that you need to become the Patriots or you guys need to become um, other teams, but you need to change how you guys are, are revitalizing those things because you need, and I agree with Mitch, you need to invest in your running game because you're a cold weather state. Like it's just, it's something you got to have. Like you need, you need to invest in some of those things because if you don't, then that's, that's how you end up losing games is when you're putting so much of it into one person's hand. Like Tom Brady won his championships when he had almost a thousand yard rusher next to him because the the game didn't come back from 28 to three without James white going off. Like you can even say like like he caught a bunch of passes, but they were half of them were out of the backfield as is, you know, Yeah, like, like you need some kind of threat. You have those pieces you need to put together and you need stability and you need unity of purpose. And I think that that unity of purpose, that thing is what's missing right now from that locker room. And I I can't remember who said it, but there were like Tom or uh, Aaron Rodgers. It feels like Aaron Rodgers is the girl that you need to tell her she's pretty every day. Like, Charles Barkley, like I, I don't agree with Charles Barkley most much, but I agree with that statement. I feel like Aaron Rodgers needs his ego stroked almost every fucking day because of just who he is, and he's insecure. Like, 
that's like that's part of it. And I don't know if keeping Aaron Rodgers is, is the right move because, I mean, yeah, you guys might win another 13 games next year and you might win the MVP again, but will you walk away with a, a ring? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, there's if, if we've seen one narrative come out of the NFL the last two years, it's that nothing fucking matters if you win a championship. So if, if the Green Bay Packers end up signing Aaron Rodgers to a four-year $200 million deal and they win a championship in that four-year $200 million deal, it's worth a deal. It's worth every penny, you know? Um but the issue is, is that you have to win the championship. Like, the, I think that there was a while, I think maybe like LaFer's first season, even the last couple of years of McCarthy's tenure, where had the Packers just gone to another Super Bowl, it would have been it, like our narrative would be very different. You know, like had the Packers had the Packers gone to uh, Super Bowl 49 against the Patriots when they lost in the NFC championship game. Had they gone to that Super Bowl and still lost, I don't think we're having the same conversation about Aaron Rodgers as we are right now. But they haven't even gone back. So the narrative now has changed from it's acceptable to have gone to now you need to win it. It has to be worth it to win it because of the the hassle and the struggle that Aaron Rodgers has put the fan base and the entire organization through. And there's a portion, like there's a side to this, which is that Aaron Rodgers had to do what he had to do in order to get the Green Bay Packers to listen to him. And I think that that's a fair, you know, argument to be made um, in that situation. But we've also seen the Green Bay Packers do things that they've never done before in these last couple of years without Aaron Rodgers being the guy pushing them along, right? The Green Bay Packers just a couple of years ago, signing to Darius Smith, Preston Smith, Adrian Amos, and Billy Turner all in one offseason. You had the Packers making a trade for a wide receiver. When the fuck was the last time that happened? You had the Packers yeah. signing midseason free agents, guys like Whitney Merciless onto the team who unfortunately just couldn't stay healthy. Um, I think injuries definitely plays a part of it. Like, let's not re- let's not forget that even though in that playoff game they had gotten Jair and Zadarius back, they were still without David Bakhtiari. They were still without Robert Tanyan uh, on a, on a season-ending injury. Elton they, Jenkins. Elton Jenkins. And they lost A.J. Dillon at halftime. So – to a chest injury, really. but, but you still, even in that situation, you've still got a thousand yard back and dark horse MVP candidate two seasons ago, Aaron Jones there that you didn't put the ball in his hands. There's the issue with the Aaron Rodgers situation is that there's two sides to this. And in reality, both sides are simultaneously dead on and dead wrong throwback. Okay. Um, like there's no there's no way that this is going to come this is going to happen cleanly unless the Packers win a championship given their cap situation I don't know if the Packers can win a championship I don't know I I me and Mitch were talking about it when we were walking out of the game this last season was our best chance to win a Super Bowl even a better chance than the season before it was but crazy things happen man the NFL is fucking insane if four years ago you would have told me that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Los Angeles Rams would have Super Bowl wins I I'd have popped you in the fucking mouth if you had told, 10 years if you had ago, told if you him, told me that the Chiefs would have gone to back-to-back Super Bowls and won one, I'd have popped you in the fucking mouth. But it, it is it think, is what it is. Yeah, I think that the funniest thing is that both years, the two teams that Brady was very adamant weren't going to win Super Bowls, both won Super Bowls in the Tampa yeah. Bay Buccaneers and in the Los Angeles Rams. But then the other thing that I have to say, going to 
to Brady's point, is that even with Jair Alexander, you were able to take a guy that was cut off of a practice squad and turn him into an all into almost an all pro and Rasul Douglas. Mm-hmm. Like that is what the Packers do very good. You identify talent, you put him in the right scheme, and he becomes amazing. Robert like, Tanyan that's and what Chris you guys... Barnes were undrafted free agents signed from other exactly. teams. And Chris exactly. Barnes had a great rookie year, and Robert Tanyan should have been a pro bowler last season. Yeah, you know? like, like so these are things, so these are things that the Packers are able to do very well is finding the right players for their system. Okay. But you need to be able to do that, not just in the okay, we're going to do it for a bargain and finding the Rasul Douglases and the Chris Barnes and the Robert Tanyans, but you also need to do it in finding the Whitney Mercilesses. You need to do it in trading for wide receivers you need to do it in every single aspect because i'm sorry it's no longer like okay we have this hole in our roster who can we find for a bargain that can fill this hole in the roster it needs to be like okay we have this hole in the roster who is the best person available for this this spot in the roster and it no longer has it can no longer be well do they fit is it a bargain place it is are they the best person available for this roster because that's what everyone else in the league is doing like, I'm sorry, the Patriots even moved away from what they have been doing, which was a very similar thing. And we're like, we just need the best person available for this. And we'll take the cap it if we have to. And like, that's just something that you have to say is that I think that personally, like, and they're moving away from it, which is a good thing. But the Packers front office has always been very conservative because that's how they've been doing it since the team was founded. Mm-hmm. And so you, what you need to do is you have to move away from some of those conservativeness. You have to be willing to take a cap hit. And I know that like the situation for the front office is much different than it is for any other team in professional sports, but you have to move away from it just a little bit, because if you don't, then you are not taking those chances. You are just banking on the fact that you are going to be able to continue to do what you've been doing very well. And that's not, we're going, to, you're going to get the eighties Packers again. You're going to get the 70s Packers again where you go through stretches of not winning anything because you're not taking chances. Like like when you get when you got a Brett Favre, you traded for a quarterback that had done shit at Atlanta. And then he, he became one of the round pick for him too. Yeah. Like you you got Rodgers, you took you took a quarterback in the first round when you had a future Hall of Famer on the roster. You, you know what? It could happen for the same with Jordan Love. Like, but you have to be willing to take some chances in order to get to a Super Bowl or something like that. And right now, I'm just now seeing the front office start to do that for Green Bay, but I do not know if it's soon enough. Yeah, if I mean, too late. I think I think uh, there was another there was a Devonte Adams question I wanted to pose to you guys, but we'll we'll move on. I think it's one that maybe we'll I'll I'll swing back to. Um, <clears throat> so let's move on chronologically here. I believe the next event that happened is that Russell Wilson gets traded to the Denver Broncos for a fucking haul. Um, uh, if somebody has the details with Yeah, them, I got uh, you. You got them? Perfect. Could you read them off my yeah. phone? Just fell asleep on me. Yep. You're all good. So they traded Russell Wilson um, and a, a pick to the Denver Broncos for Drew Locke, Noah Fance, Shelby Harris, uh, two first-round picks, the number nine overall this year and one next year, two second-round picks um, for this year, next year, and a a fifth-round pick this year. Um, And the pick that the Seahawks sent was a fourth-round pick. Uh, Yes. So, yes. So, um, uh, the Seahawks get Drew Locke, Noah Fant, uh, Shelby Harris, two firsts, two seconds, uh, 
and a fifth, and then the Broncos get Russell Wilson and a fourth. Um, so we saw a similar trade like this happen last season with Matthew Stafford going to the Los Angeles Rams. Um, this is almost a verbatim trade happening between the Denver Broncos and the Seattle Seahawks. Um, what's our, what are your guys' thoughts on this? Does, does this make Denver a Super Bowl contending team? Um, it, to, uh, one thing to point out is that the Vegas odds uh, from the time Russell Wilson was traded, uh, I think it's changed since then, but the moment Russell Wilson was traded to Denver, uh, Vegas had Denver and Green Bay at the same odds for winning a Super Bowl. Um, so that, that is something to keep in mind there, but what, what's our, what's our thoughts on this? Is Denver a Super Bowl contender? What is Seattle doing? What is their game plan here going forward? Um, what are just your guys' reaction to the trade? Yeah, I do think that Russell Wilson going to Denver does make them a contender. Um, I don't know about like a Super Bowl call, Super Bowl contender, like, uh, you know, when Stafford went to the Rams last year, we all thought they were a contender just because of the roster that they had and all the talent. Um, I still no, think I Denver... will one hundred percent be adamant that I did not think they were a contender. Well, <laughs> I was the only. Well, no, I, I, was, I was the only one that well, didn't not, think they were a contender. Yeah, not, I yeah, did, but, not but the majority of people, media, yeah. who whatnot. I still think there's holes they got to fill in this roster. Um, I think. Obviously, the offensive line Denver has is an upgrade on Seattle, which isn't hard to do. Um, but there's still poles, especially at right tackle. Um, and obviously, the defense in certain areas, especially that front seven, will need an upgrade um, if they're going to be serious about uh, running, being a Super Bowl contender. Um, but just the potential that the, the offense has, you know, Russell Wilson, Javante Williams balled out last year as a rookie. Maybe they bring Melvin Gordon back to have that two running back set. And then just all these young wide receivers that they have, you know, Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, KJ Hamler. Um, and then the, even though no fan is gone, they still have the kid from Missouri that they got a couple of years ago, who's been awesome when healthy. Um, so it's a really loaded offense, but I just still think that even with Russell Wilson, they'll definitely contend and it'll be hard because of how good the AFC West is. And we'll get into it later about how much better they even got with another trade. Um, but they still have to play Patrick Mahomes twice a year, Justin Herbert's twice a year, Derek Carr twice a year. We'll see if he gets traded to Indianapolis or something like that. But for now, Derek Carr twice a year. Um, it's a loaded division, but I think they're contender, but I still think they're, they're a few spots away from being like, a true Super Bowl contender. Yeah, guys, it's kind of weird to think that, like, right now we exist in the NFL world where Tom Brady isn't playing, Ben Roethlisberger isn't playing, Drew Brees isn't playing. All of these guys that we grew up with aren't playing, and Russell Wilson plays for Denver now. Like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> like, this is just a weird NFL we exist in. Um, I, I don't think they're immediate contender um, – because of some of the things that Mitch laid out. One, they are in a super hard division in the AFC West, and Denver has holes that they need to fix. Much better, much better place to be in than it was in Seattle. Um, he's got probably a pretty like comparable wide receiver talent to what he had in Seattle um, with Judy Ha uh, hammer those guys they're they're great additions to have that he can definitely use jerry judy seemed stoked to have russell wilson there after not getting his twitter Aaron page Rodgers. is so funny it was his so tweet funny. Page is so tweeting funny. through it just tweeting through it is that's so yeah. fucking funny uh, um 
he's got Melvin Gordon as a running back. His offensive line is much better. Like Mitch was saying, um, his defense definitely does need some help, um, but it's still an improvement over what the Seattle defense was looking like. Um, uh, but uh, so, so all of those things are happening and it, and it looks like the GM for um, Denver since uh, L, uh, um, Elway took a step back has been making some pretty good moves. Um, uh, they still have their first and second round picks, which are awesome for them because it makes it kind of, or they, no, no, they got rid of their first. They, they don't, rid of the, their first. Washington still has their first. Sorry. Yeah. Um, they, I mean, they still have some picks that they're able to use so that they can build around it. And again, because this year it's a good, it's a good year to not do it. And I kind of take back what I, it, it, in hindsight, now them not drafting Justin Fields makes kind of sense because you can get Russell Wilson, trade away some picks and then still have some things to be able to build around him with. And Russell Wilson isn't super, isn't super old. He's still got some pretty good years left on him um, that you can build around him and be able to build back some of that um, for Seattle. I think it's, kind of it's kind of a loss at this point uh for them i think that they're really just kind of starting over like i think like that's what this move indicates is you're starting from scratch you're trying new you're going to see what happens because even with with the lions trade i could go okay but jared goff has taken them to a super bowl like jared goff has that experience we've seen that in detroit this year he didn't actually play half bad he played good they surrounded him with good talent and i'm on state uh um uh, Amon Rossi Brown, like you, they, they got some of those players in place that you can see that they're starting to go towards a good direction with Seattle. I don't know what the fuck they're doing because right now you just traded away Russell Wilson. You're probably Tyler Lockett's probably not going to want to stay for very much longer. I know for a fact, DK Metcalf is going to want to stay for very much longer. Um, Jamal. Jamal Adams is probably fucking pissed right now. You cut Bobby um, Wagner. You, they yeah. just cut Bobby Wagner. Like they are really just going for broke now it's it's really just what they're doing and it's kind of i i mean for a person that as much as i was so happy that we beat them in the super bowl i still liked what seattle was doing i liked what they had i liked that the, the the spunk and the confidence that this team had with the legion of boom but it's just kind of like i think it's probably one of the since that 2014 2015 super bowl um it's probably the fastest decline in sports that i've seen happen to a franchise in a long time because they went from that to a two-time Super Bowl, like two-time Super Bowl or back-to-back Super Bowl appearances to now they're, they're it's a completely different team. Um, and they traded for Drew Locke. Like, well, yeah. they need a quarterback. So. Yeah. Well, they do need a quarterback, but like, is Drew Locke the answer? Like, I don't think so. And he's not going right. to be. I don't think anybody expects him to. But even anybody that they would draft in the first round, which I don't think they're going to do that either, is going to be a good, um, is going to be a good replacement at all like they have been because they already exist in the hardest division in the nfc and now they have to try and like that like the, i i wouldn't be surprised if Pete carroll leaves soon they try to find a new coach like it's literally they have restarted everything and i have no idea how long it's going to take for them to get back where they need to um, so like, that's like for Denver, they've put them in a good place where you could probably make some playoff games, maybe a couple runs, hopefully maybe like I, the AFC is just so loaded in terms of talent, in terms of tough competition that I don't know if this is going to pay off in terms of them winning a Super Bowl. but it's definitely going to make them much more competitive, but for Seattle, you're now scraping the bottom of the barrel to try to figure out how to even try to win eight games. Like, and that's, that's fucking generous. Um, you, you're, you've basically just 
relegated yourself to a top 10 pick for the next three years. It's definitely a bold move to start a rebuild with the NFL's oldest head coach. Well, and that's why I'll say he's probably going to retire soon. Cause if I was him, I would. Unless they trade for Watson and then just kind of keep it going. I think, I think that's what they're banking on. They're banking on probably. trading for Watson and it's not a good thing to do at this point because either you bank on trading for Watson or you trade for who Jimmy G. I mean, Colin Kaepernick looks like he's ready to be quarterback again. I mean, like, I'm, I'm sorry, Jimmy G would be a better, would be a better solution than really anybody else they could go. I mean, Jameis Winston, maybe, um, but whoever quarterback, baby, who Trubisky, I'm, but like, even any of those guys that you're going to bring in are, are a bridge quarterback. Like, that's just what you're doing. They're a bridge quarterback to whoever you draft in the 2023 draft. Like, that's just who it is. It's, it's a bridge for. Um, fuck. for young. Spencer yeah, it's, it's a bridge for it's a bridge um, for CJ young. Stroud it's a bridge for Stroud. It's a bridge for uh, Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams, whoever. Like that's what you're doing. It's Grant for Burks. um even what's uh what's the guy's <laughs> name from that went to South Carolina? Um, Spencer Rattler. Spencer Rattler, because you don't yeah. know Spencer Rattler could could resurrect his fucking career. DJ like, Ugoeli, Adrian Martinez. Adrian, you fucking Adrian Martinez. You don't know. JT Daniels, um, Casey, Casey Thompson, JT Daniels, like Jim like Martel. literally anybody, anybody Steel that Fortress. they're going to draft in the 2023 draft, because like, that's what you're doing or whoever they pick up in like the second or third round now, yeah. like that's what you're banking on. And so I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon because all of the <laughs> other capable quarterbacks that are like that, that you could have gone, you traded one of them away and then the rest of them are already gone. And Carson Wentz, Aaron Rodgers is is staying in Green Bay. So it's like Jimmy G or Jameis Winston. Like those are your two viable veteran pickups that you can have to come in and try to win. Yeah. Um, listen, there's two viable paths to winning the Super Bowl in the NFL nowadays. And that is a team that has an all-star quarterback on a rookie contract. Um and a team that has a all-star quarterback um, and they build, they build with supplemental pieces that are very good. Right. So it's, it's the chiefs and the Buccaneers model, basically, you know, the chiefs and the Rams model, basically. Yeah. And I think if the Denver Broncos find themselves now in a Russell Wilson position where they have the opportunity to do both because they do have tons of young assets still on that team in the wide receiver room at the, uh, um, on the offensive line in the linebacker room in the, the secondary uh, room, like they have, there's tons of positions where they have young assets that if needs be, they could trade or cut in order to pick up like an OBJ or in uh, uh, free agency or some shit like that. Right. Um, but they've also got a solid young roster here. And, and I've been tooting the Denver Broncos horn for the last two seasons now to my own detriment about how this team is a quarterback away from being very, very good. And I think now, I think now we see that it would be interesting because I think if Russell Wilson leads Denver to a Super Bowl, I think that'd be the only time I could think of that a, a quarterback who beat said team in a Super Bowl, then led said team to a Super Bowl. Yes, it is. It is the first time. Yeah. Um, so, so, I mean, that, that's a storyline all on its own, but there's also narratives here in Denver that we have to pay attention to, right? The front office has not historically been great in Denver. They're dealing with a first year head coach. This dude has never coached uh, a head. He's never been head coach in an NFL football game before Nathaniel Hackett, unless I'm mistaken on something. Um, this dude is, is a dude who had inherited Aaron Rodgers, and yeah, he had a good season with Blake Bortles, but he had a good season, 
with Blake Bortles. Um, this is like there's question marks at the coaching position there, and there's huge question marks all over the defense. Vic Fangio was supposed to be the defensive guy, and yet that defensive line, the linebacker room, really kind of struggled those these seasons that he's been there. Um, you know, if Von Miller comes back like he's hinting at for Denver, man, wouldn't that be special, right? Um, but there's things to like in Denver. The issue is is that the idea that a, Den- a Russell Wilson led Denver Broncos team might have to make a Super Bowl run in which they could possibly have to go through Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, and Patrick Mahomes just to get to a fucking Super Bowl is absolutely insane to me, right? Like that should be daunting. And that doesn't even throw in like a couple of great young quarterbacks in the AFC, guys like Justin Herbert, who haven't they had have the to play twice a year now. Exactly. Yeah. But who haven't had the opportunity to get to the playoffs yet. Like imagine him being able to lead that Chargers team, literally a kneel away from leading a Chargers team to a playoff. Lamar Jackson's um, going back. Exactly. Like, Lamar, like, like a like, fully healthy Lamar Jackson team. Um, Mac Jones taking that next Mac step Jones there is the only going to be better. Yeah. Like there's. Well, there's, and like. Especially if you get some wide receivers, Skyler. Yeah. Yeah. No, because like I'm like I'm gonna say like if you're a quarterback, if you're a veteran quarterback and you're joining a team and your hope for that team is to make it to Super Bowl and win, you want to be on that NFC side right now. Like I'm sorry, that's where you want to be. Oh, 100%. because like, because like I'm sorry. Think of like all of the other veteran quarterbacks that have made moves or decided to stay. They've all been on the NFC side. Tom Brady went to Tampa Bay. Um. Uh. Uh. Matt Matthew Stafford went to L.A. Aaron Rodgers is staying in Green Bay. Like the only one I can think of is Philip Rivers going from uh the Chargers AFC to AFC. Yeah, AFC to AFC. Nobody goes from NFC to AFC. You never do that no. because then you have like like you guys said, you have Joe Burrow, you have Justin Herbert, you have yeah. um Mac Jones. Uh Trevor Lawrence is only gonna get better. You have maybe. um maybe, <laughs> probably. Um, like, like Trevor, like, I, I can't imagine him getting worse. Yeah. Um, we don't like, know where like, Deshaun Watson is going to end up. We don't know where the fuck Deshaun AFC. Watson's going to go. Whereas in the NFC, you have, you know, an, a Matthew Stafford, you have Rogers, Rogers. but then Kirk Cousins. Yeah. Prescott. But then you have like, yeah. Kirk Cousins is like oh, the Kirk fourth Cousins? or fifth best Wait, quarterback have, in the NFC Kirk, now. Hold on. Kirk Time out, everybody. Did you guys hear supposedly what Amari Cooper called Dak Prescott in the locker room after the San Francisco playoff loss what he called him the black kirk cousins that's wow <laughs> i'm sorry to interrupt our regularly scheduled program that's to say that, funny but that's funny as shit that is, that so is funny as shit better than the black carson ones yeah that's true. I mean, that's true that's true that's funny as shit no i get i get but what like, you guys are saying like those are all valid points but i had to put i was like oh shit i'm yeah. gonna forget that that's that fucking funny but like like nobody's gonna want to do that because like okay the up-and-comers are justin fields who was the second yeah. best rookie quarterback and then trey lance who was somehow the third best rookie quarterback yet not playing like barely at all that season so yeah. it's like I mean, so you could you throw could, Kyler Murray in there too. You could throw Kyler Murray in there, and you could yeah. throw some other some other players in there Good. too. But like the AFC is literally becoming like the AFC is literally the most competitive quarterback conference. Yeah. Like it just is. Where it's like you can you can go down the you can go down the divisions. And like okay, they have a pretty capable starter. They have a pretty capable starter. They have a pretty good capable starter. Where it's like you don't know like who could be the AFC. Like the fact that Joe Burrow wasn't a Pro Bowler is a fucking travesty in the AFC because if he was in the NFC, he would have been a, he would have been a pro bowler, but he wasn't. So mm-hmm. like, like that's part of it. Like, because even the guys that we joke about, like, Oh my God, they're so terrible are still comparable starters. 
in the NFL. Whereas in the NFC, you're like, hey, did you hear that the Giants are bringing in Mitchell Trubisky to compete for the starting role? Like, that's where they're at. It makes sense because Brian Dayball worked with him last year. But, like, like yeah. that's kind of where you're at. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that those are all fair points, you know. And I think, Skyler, you kind of hit it on your head, which is, like, even the the low some of the lower-tier AFC quarterbacks are still pretty high-tier. Like, Derek Carr is now the worst quarterback in the AFC West, and yet I would take Derek Carr over quite a few quarterbacks across the NFL any day of the week. And Derek Carr has had some unnecessary slander placed on his name um, that or I like just in, won't stand for anymore. But the, I, well, I, I kind of like wanted Davis to talk Mills. about my Seattle. Like Davis. Yeah. Like Davis, Davis Mills had Mills. a really nice stretch. Like he had, he had a yeah. good, he had an, he had a pretty good rookie season that nobody wants to talk about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's, but like, he's probably good. this, yeah, sec, probably the second best rookie quarterback. Obviously, Mac Jones is up there. Like, no, like literally, like he <laughs> did better than guys that were drafted ahead of him in a much worse situation. Like yeah. guys that were drafted three rounds ahead of him. ahead of him. Yeah. Um. In in and and Davis Mills did it without really a true number. Well, I mean, he had Brandon Cooks. But Brandon without, Cooks. With, yeah. with a we don't talk about off- Brandon Cooks. With a piss poor offensive line and a head coach, couldn't. Come on, he had the Rex Burkhead. Any- yes, yes. Put some respect on Rex Burkhead. Yeah. He had the Rick Burkhead. Yeah, I forgot. They played. Um, they played him in one game. The, the motherfucker went off for 150 yards rushing. Okay, uh, yeah. That's a, that, that's that's a cheat. Come on, that's a that's a fucking cheat code, man. It's a fucking cheat code. Yeah, yeah. Who knew? Who knew white boys could run like that? Um, but uh, let's let's talk about let's talk about. Uh, I kind of want to talk about my Seattle viewpoint on this because I actually don't think Seattle is in a terrible position here. Listen, Drew Locke is 100% a bridge quarterback. But this is a Seattle team that now is going to have two first-round picks, including the number nine overall pick, through which they can either position themselves to pull off a Russell Wilson trade, possibly a Jalen Hurts trade, given what what might happen in Philadelphia. They have the opportunity to pull off. I I think that if Seattle were to go and sign Jameis Winston, man, we saw how effective Jameis Winston was with uh, the New Orleans Saints this year. That wouldn't be terrible for me. You throw on four first-round picks over the next two years, a shit ton of cap space that's opened up by the Russell Wilson deal. And the fact that you, that, yeah, you're going to, you know, you've lost guys like Bobby Wagner. You're going to lose guys like Tyler Lockett, most likely. But you bring in another young quarterback who's just as solid. There's no reason DK Metcalf would, re, would, would leave. It's not going to be Drew Locke. Don't get me wrong. But if it is a Seattle team that can take those assets that they have right now and turn them around, um, flip them into either solid players that can help out, uh, whether that's through the draft or trades, um, they now have the free agency. They now have the cap space to, to attack through free agency. The issue with Seattle is just that the front office has has never. Um, I, I do see the erase hand. The issue with the Seattle front office is that drafting wise, they've been one of the most piss poor teams that I've ever seen. And this is where it's it's kind of the same Shut argument down. that I had when Seattle or when the Jets got the picks for the Jamal Adams trade, which is that like it's great on paper that you have all these picks. What the fuck are you going to do with them? If Seattle can be competent, this is a Seattle yeah. team that has drafted guys like Jordan. Joe Brooks Douglas is the coach. first. You're right, but this is a Seattle Rashad team. Rashad Penny. Yeah, Rashad Penny and Jordan Brooks in the first round. And we're looking there and saying, well, why the fuck aren't you going after your offensive line? Why aren't you helping your defensive yeah. line? Why aren't you rebuilding? Because they your tried secondary? and they failed. Yeah. You know, well, the thing is, is like when you're re- when you're having to convince Dwayne Brown every single fucking year to basically come out of retirement <laughs> to play left tackle for you, you're not going to be successful. When you have a guy starting, when you have your guy starting right tackle who only ever played tight end in college, you're not going to fucking be successful. But that's yeah. the reality of the Seattle Seahawks uh, front office. If uh, the if the front office can change their tune here, if they can figure out how to be effective, 
there's no reason Seattle shouldn't be right back in this conversation, given how weak the NFC is. Like, I pose a question to you. If, if everything clears out with Deshaun Watson, and Deshaun Watson ends up in Seattle, and they don't trade Tyler Lockett, they've still got DK Metcalf, Seattle makes the playoffs. Like, they might not be a Super Bowl contender, but Seattle makes the playoffs. Uh, no, depends yeah, on what like they do. It's it's not it like seven seeds. You're telling me that there's going to be eight oh. teams better than the than a Deshaun Watson, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett team. I, 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 well, I, mean, I, I need to see the, the defense. I need well, to see yeah. the defense. Sure. Plus, their best problem. offensive lineman's a free agent, and I don't think Dwayne Brown wants to go back to that situation. So no, no, like like Brady, sure, I agree. Like, like they're but, like like there's I but. Like I agree with what you're saying, but that again relies on me having faith in their front office you're to right. make the right moves. Yeah, you're right. Like, but this so also like, like uh, the flip side to this is that you rely on Denver to put together an effectual football team, like, which I don't. We've seen the last few seasons where we've looked at Denver and been like, man, they have done everything right that we would think that they need to do right, and yet it's mm-hmm. seven wins, eight wins, six win seasons. There, it's yeah, it's, not they're the Nebraska. They're football. the Nebraska of professional football. I feel like I say that about a lot of teams in professional football i think it's actually the bears more than anybody else um but like 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 you said like that and that's why and that's why i raised my raised my virtual hand is because you are about you but you you said my point it's like yeah they could have all the draft capital but in the world but what the fuck are they gonna do with it mm-hmm. so it's like there's that and then also i just wanted to make a pun real quick and i know that me saying yeah. it a pun isn't gonna be good but is but you said it i was like Okay, yeah, Locke can bridge can can be a bridge quarterback, but can he bridge water as a quarterback? And uh, uh, okay, I'm done. Oh, see, um, I would have gone with can Drew Locke down the quarterback position in Seattle. That's what I. Would that's have another good with. one. Yeah, can, I would have said can, he, can Drew Locke unlock the quarterback position? Can yeah. um no so all so, good all good yeah so no it's definitely it's definitely going to be interesting but like there's there's it's kind of the like at least with the Matthew Stafford trade, we were able to look at the Rams. This is a team that has been successful recently. Like the Rams made the divisional round of the playoffs the season before uh, they traded for Matthew Stafford. They've made, yeah, they've made, they've made the, they made the Super Bowl with, with a very similar roster. Yeah. But, but with Seattle here, this is a team that has, that made the playoffs a couple of years ago, but was, was downright awful last season. And part of that was the loss of Russell Wilson for those weeks. But there's just been we've seen that steady decline that Skyler mentioned with Seattle. Um, this could be the perfect catalyst to turn it around, but it's going to be up to the Seahawks as to whether or not they turn it around. Um, it's it's going to be up to that front office making the correct draft and free agent decisions to turn it around. We talked ad nauseum in our Seattle preview episode at the start of or, or last year, where we were just massively unimpressed with their draft and we were massively unimpressed with their free agency. And they, yeah, they I was the only one. Ha- I was the only one that had them with a losing season. Well, yeah, and I mean, we gave. I mean, Mitch, we gave you shit for it, but two seasons ago, you had Seattle going like what, like fifteen and one or something like that. Like you had them insane, like two seasons ago. Um, but like, th- there's just been such a massive drop off here. So let's move on here narratively. Let's move on in our timeline. We fast forward just a couple of hours to where the Washington Commanders, uh, which is a stupid fucking name. God damn it. Like it, hey, it's, it's the so Washington stupid. commies. The Washington commies. When the commies uh, make a trade to pick up Carson Wentz from the Indianapolis Colts, Carson Wentz, who the Colts ended up giving up a first round pick for uh, just last season, gets traded to the commanders. Um, now, I don't have it exactly broken down because there's conditions to it's, it, but it's, it's something along it's the lines of right now, a second and a sixth. A, uh, 
The car- I thought that was a Cleo it's, Mack trade. It's, so this is the trade. Oh, so yeah, sorry. it's a third, a second round pick, and a third that can become a second if he plays seventy percent of his snaps. You know, like how the second became the first mm-hmm. for the Colts last year. Yeah, but it's and, like a third, and the it's like a Commanders third get Carson Wentz and a third, I believe, right? Second, uh, a seventh, second. Oh, okay, sorry, oh, seven. seventh. Oh, shit. Yeah, seven. and and Washington's taking all his cap hit, so the Colts now have over seventy million and the most cap space in the NFL to do what they want with. But yeah, no first round pick because they had traded for Carson Wentz. So. So Howie Roseman's looking pretty good right now. Exactly right. So a guy who I have trashed on here, <laughs> actually looking really good. It's it's one of those funny things where yeah. it's like my takes seem to be dead off, but my picks seem to be dead on. Uh, Mitch, let's take your reaction yeah. there. Colts yeah. Colts Commanders trade. What's what's your thoughts on it? I think this is obviously Washington Commanders Plan C. I think obviously they would have loved to get Aaron Rodgers or. They tried to get Russell Wilson. I mean, shit, they gave up. They were going to give up three first rounders, but um, yeah. Seattle said no. But I think it's really Russell Wilson didn't want to go there. But no, no, that's 100% what it was. Russell Wilson, yeah. Seattle, Seattle had a trade, from my understanding, Seattle had a trade, similar trade in principle with Washington, and uh, Russell Wilson said no. Yeah. From what I saw, it said that Seattle said no, but I always thought that Russell said no. But I mean, obviously, Brett didn't want to go there. Um, but Carson Wentz, it'll be interesting. I th- I think they can't. I know this is going to sound stupid, and it'll probably be like, uh, I'll probably be on like freezing cold takes, but I think they can make it work as long as they, you know, they can unlock the potential of the defense that we all saw a year ago. And they just put a shit ton of weapons around Carson Wentz. So even when he is dead gun ho, my body's being contorted a thousand degrees, and I'm just going to chuck it up there for an interception just to keep the play alive. He'll have the weapons, so at least they can make a play. Because Scary Terry's awesome. He's a legit one. Probably the best, you could argue, the best receiver he's played with. You know, and Taylor Gibson's good when healthy. Uh, the offensive line is looking good. Uh, the... Curtis they Samuel a, is supposed to be healthy. Yeah, Curtis Curtis Samuel's a nice piece. So I think if they get in the draft, whether it's a Drake London or a Traylon Burks, or if they go on free agency and Allen Robinson, um, a guy like that, and just build weapons around him, I think they can make it work. But uh, obviously, I think this is Carson Wentz's last chance of being a starter. And if he can't make it work in Washington, then he'll be the bridge backup kind of guy. Um, for the Colts side, it's really interesting because I have no idea what direction they're going to go with. I feel like this is just kind of a move like shit. We really don't have any options. We have to get rid of this guy because we don't want to pay him, you know, all that money that they would have been on the hook for next week. Um, And they can go multiple ways. The most likely is Jimmy G, but they have to wait for the medical for that. I know that there's reports a couple of years ago, they're interested in Jordan Love. Did they trade for him now that Rogers is back? Who knows? And then what I've been hearing lately is maybe they'll go after Derek Carr because that seems like that's the narrative each year that the Raiders don't like Derek Carr and they're going to get rid of him. So we'll see with that. So I, I really don't think it's going to be interesting to see what they do with the quarterback position. Um, yeah. For Washington. Um, I, I agree with Mitch. They can make the situation work. Um, one, because they're not the Colts. Like, 
gonna, like I'm gonna throw like Washington doesn't have that boogeyman at the end of the season that they will always lose to. Like they don't have a Jackson. Um, they have you know their own fucking problems, but they don't have that. Um, and it and it and like I had said before at the beginning of the season when we were doing our our Washington preview, I had said that Washington is one of the few teams that was a quarterback away from from being a legit contender. Um, Carson Wentz can he? We saw that after the horrible year in Philly, which I think we can all just kind of look as an outlier now. Um, for Philadelphia as a team um, and for like that entire organization as a whole, I think that we can, we can almost safely say that I'm not going to say safely, like, like for sure, but it's, it's almost there. Like we saw how he went back to like pre atrociousness, Carson Wentz, like almost there. He wasn't quite there, but he still was 27 for set, uh, 27 touchdowns, seven interceptions. So his, like, it was almost a four to one, uh, touchdown to interception ratio he was very efficient um the offensive line for washington isn't half bad uh you but there are there are i agree with mitch you need to put some more weapons like you're getting curtis samuel who's supposed to be healthy terry uh terry mclaurin is um still a number one option antonio gibson is a great thousand yard running back jd mckissick is great from out, out of the backfield logan thomas is getting up there but he's still very very good option at the tight end uh, position and you have draft capital now you have still a first round pick and a second round pick that's the 11th uh, overall pick that's the 11th overall pick so you can add offensive line you can add another weapon you can get a safety now because you traded a, you just cut one of your best your your yeah, top safety collins yeah you can you can do there's there are options for them to go forward and you have a competent coach which i think is very very good what you need you yeah. need a competent head coach so wash and you exist in the worst like most up and down division that has ever existed in the history of professional sports the nfc yeah. east you can make it work and especially with what seems like, like division. A, yeah you see what is a breakdown in dallas um i mean i would go after people like michael gallup i would look look at some of those guys see if maybe you can get them for good team friendly deals find something that can work for you um but i would not throw away that they might not take a quarterback with the 11th overall pick especially because of what we're hearing from this quarterback class if kenny pickett or um, malik willis are still available at the 11th overall pick i would not be surprised if they take it um because that's somebody that Carson, because I don't think anybody sees Carson Wentz as a viable long-term starter anymore in the NFL. I I don't. I think that he's more of a bridge quarterback. Like, yeah. the, and there's and there's nothing wrong with that, but that's not why the guy got drafted second. He's a Fitzpatrick kind of quarterback yeah. now. Yeah, he's more. He's turning into a Fitzpatrick. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. Um, for Indianapolis, um, I don't think it's good that you're pissing off some of your star defenders. Like Darius Leonard, I don't know if you guys saw, but Darius Leonard tweeted yeah. he goes fifth mm-hmm. quarterback and now five, five oh, about to be fifth year with Indianapolis and now on to my yeah. fifth quarterback. You, that's somebody on your team you do not want to piss off. Um, oh, we yeah. saw that Frank Reich took a shot uh, in the dark trying to get Carson Wentz to go there. How uh, you traded? I apologize. <laughs> I do apologize for that. You gave up a first round pick for a guy that's no longer on your team anymore. Um, so that's very very rough. Um, 
and now you don't have a first round pick to even try to get one of the quarterbacks that you could have gotten, um, which they probably won't either. They'll probably, yeah. I, I, I think that the, I think the most logical one for them is Jimmy G. Um, I think that again, he fits kind of that style of what they want to do, but I also wouldn't say that they might not stay and try to use one of the two quarterbacks that they've drafted in the last two years, Jacob Eason or Sam Ellinger, both of them. Eason isn't there. Eason's in Seattle now. So it's just Ellinger and James Morgan. So it'd probably yeah. be Ellinger who starts. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Ellinger, Ellinger showed like did good things in garbage time. He looked good in the preseason. He, he like he he didn't perform half bad, and he has a similar kind of skill set that Carson Wentz has. So that could be something that you use. He's a big like a big quarterback that can run, but is more of a bowling like is more of like a physical runner than a like a speed a speed runner like Carson Wentz almost. So that could work for you, um, or you can go after Derek Carr or uh, Jimmy G. Um, to see what happens. I doubt Derek Carr is going to get traded because I think part of the whole reason that Josh McDaniels left is because he knew Derek Carr was going to be there. Um, so that's part of it too. Uh, but I, I, for the Colts, you're it, like you got to figure something out because you've gone from one of the like most underrated teams in the AFC to like now struggling. Um, like you're you're holding water right now. Tennessee has solidified itself as the best team in the AFC South, and it, they sh- there you've had two years to challenge that, and you haven't been able to hit that yet. Um, I mean, for God's sakes, I I could even see thinking of quarterbacks again. I can see them even going after Marcus Mariota, which nobody seems to talk about that he's still right there in Las Vegas that somebody can pick up as a viable starter um, in the league. Uh, Because if I'm sorry, if Mitchell Trubisky is getting looks, Marcus Mariota should be getting some looks as well. Yeah. um, I made myself a New Year's resolution, which was that I was going to cut unhealthy relationships. And one of those that I have to cut is like my, Me? yeah, is my, yeah, it's you, Mitch, is my rather unhealthy relationship with like, I... with like defending Carson Wentz. Um, yeah, you should stop that. You're like Dan Orlovsky. I know, I know. Um, I know we look alike too. Um, and uh, <laughs> you're much no, more handsome. It's, oh, thank you. Um, it's very easy to look at Carson Wentz like statistics. And kind of be lulled into like a like a little bit of like a false sense of um, oh this guy is a competent quarterback, um, but then you just watch the play and the play pretty obviously doesn't generate. Now there's excuses that you can make for his time in in Indianapolis there, right? Indianapolis's number one weapon, their only real weapon is T.Y. Hilton, and T.Y. Hilton can't seem to stay on the field to save his life. Um, they haven't really invested in the. Uh, pass catching position at all you've got great production out of jonathan taylor and that offensive line really solid defense but um whoever's your quarterback uh doesn't matter if you got nobody throwing the ball right like we talked about this with the aaron Rodgers thing you can have aaron Rodgers as a quarterback but if you've got a bunch of nobody's catching the ball uh or making that play it's it doesn't matter right um with carson wenso like this is this this trade makes no sense for the commanders i don't understand this at all like, I don't think you're going to get anything more out of Carson Wentz than you would have gotten out of Taylor Heineke. I don't, I don't, I don't think you would have gotten anything more out of Carson Wentz than I think you'd get realistically with anybody that's in this draft right now, maybe with the exception of Malik Willis. I don't think Matt Corral is really worth all that money. Um, I don't think that Kenny Pickett is like Kenny Pickett. I, I have a serious issue with um, his hands, but not necessarily his <laughs> hands, but more the fact that like he had 27 fumbles last season. And now you're going to throw that into the NFL. Like we've talked about Carson Wentz's fumbling problem um, and how that's existed throughout his time frame. Um, 
like it doesn't make it doesn't make sense to me for the commanders even the price that you paid those multiple third round picks some of them that can turn into second round Skyler, are you look confused about something no i'm good oh um like those multiple third round picks that can, yeah right um that can uh, turn into second round picks it doesn't it doesn't make sense now there's things to like with the commanders um uh you have your hopefully a fully healthy curtis samuel if you can get logan, Tom, logan thomas back that's solid antonio gibson if, we talked about it guys like if they could just figure out how to use antonio gibson he's one of the best backs in the league um yeah. terry mclaren is a fantastic wide receiver we saw that that even with a little bit of like a uh patchwork defense it was still very effective and you're going to be getting chase young back fully healthy that's solid um but man i just there's nothing to feel confident about with washington just at all top to bottom roster uh uh, uh the ownership ownership the only thing i will say is like i do i do love ron rivera and i'm pulling so hard for him to do to be successful there but i also just don't want to see washington be successful because of just how incompetent they are overall um yeah. If I'm Indianapolis, like I kind of said it in, in our group chat, like this is the best of a bad situation. Like you guys are fucked. Um, you don't have a viable quarterback option right now. You don't have a first round pick. You have a couple of second, a couple of third round picks and maybe some other conditional ones that might work out for you. But that's not enough capital in my mind to pull off a Deshaun Watson trade. Um, you could maybe get Jimmy G. Hell, you could maybe even pry Kirk Cousins at a, at a, at a Minnesota if he chose to waive his no trade clause. But it doesn't, it's, it's still not necessarily going to be good enough. You still have to invest in that wide receiver position. And there is such a huge drop off in talent between the first and second round wide receivers that might be available and the third and fourth round wide receivers that might be available. I'm not saying that there's not solid talent there that can really be useful because there 100% is, but there is, there is a severe drop off there. Um, I, if I'm Indianapolis, man, I'm looking at futures. I'm looking if I'm Frank Reich, I'm walking around with my tail between my fucking legs. If I'm Jim Irsay, I'm I'm really second guessing um, the Frank Reich situation because this is now a guy who has uh, helped turn Andrew Luck's career around, or not not even turn around, but help bring Andrew Luck really to that next level. Only for Luck to walk away, um, he then couldn't really do anything with Jacoby Brissett, who I still think is a rather competent quarterback in the NFL. Not a superstar, but he's competent. Um, didn't have nearly the amount of success with Phillip Rivers as they should have had. Um, and now with Carson Wentz, a guy who was 11 and two on the year that this, uh, the uh, Eagles won the Super Bowl and has an almost three to one touchdown to interception ratio, you go nine and eight. Like it's, it, it, if I'm Frank Reich, man, maybe he's not the offensive genius that he has played himself out to be. Maybe this is a Colts team that is just destined to be a nine or 10 win team, given how difficult the AFC is. Stuff shit just doesn't make sense to me for either teams on this trade. It's a best of a bad situation for both teams. Well, and what I'd also say is, well, one, I'm sorry, I was looking very confused because Taylor Lewan was in Nebraska, and I was like, what the fuck is Taylor Lewan doing at Nebraska spring practice? Um, figured out the answer. Um, but the other thing I'd have to say is that, yeah, like, if you took transferring there, uh, no, him and Will Compton do a podcast, and they oh yeah, busting boys. Yeah, they were visiting Nebraska. Um, because cool. Will Compton played for Nebraska. Yeah. Um, yeah. But part of it that I say too is that, like, we've seen that, like, teams like the Chargers and teams like the Raiders, if they weren't existing, if those teams, if you took them, photocopied them, put them in the NFC, they'd be much better teams, like, yeah. record wise. So I think that that's part of it too is, like, if you took that nine and eight team of the Colts last year, 
photocopied it, put it into the NFC, you might go 11 and two, like with that team because of existing in a much easier conference. Like that's part I of I think it. at and the I, same time though, like there's a narrative here where like the Colts for a while had the number one defense in the NFL, um, forced the most turnovers, had the most points off of turnovers as a defense. Um, had a offensive player of the year candidate, Justin or in Jonathan Taylor, uh, had a quarterback who still threw, like Scott, you said, like a quarterback who still threw uh, a four to one touchdown to interception ratio. And yet this team still only won nine games and couldn't even beat fucking Jacksonville on the road in a must win game. In a must win game. Yeah, no. no, I you completely know? agree. I completely agree. Like, there's part of it, but like, like what I'm saying is that I, like we have to take that into consideration with our criticism of these teams. But then you also have to take that into consideration of the expectations for those teams, where you're like, okay, if you're Frank Reich in this division, you have to be able to do this because if you can't do that, then you're not making the playoffs. So now it's gone to the point where it's like, okay, so if I'm like all of a sudden we're looking at Zach Taylor, like he's an offensive genius because he had, but, the, but is he an offensive genius or is he just allowing his players to do what they're good at? Like that's part of it mm-hmm. is that we've seen. And I, I'm going to say part of that, I think is on Carson Wentz too, because we've seen that both in his time at Philadelphia and maybe at his time in Indianapolis, he is more than willing to go off script and more than willing to try to audible at the play for a thing that it might not be because he was used to being the smartest and best player on the field when he was at North Dakota state. So he got used to that kind of style of, of, of playing where he can improvise and win four national championships in a row. So it's like, like that's part of it too. So, so it's like you, I, I have to take the consideration that the AFC is so much tougher when I'm grading Frank Reich and his performance as a head coach because I, I'll, I'll fight back on the Philip Rivers thing. I think Philip Rivers, I feel like them going, what, 10 and six and making the playoffs, going to the divisional round and losing to a much better team in Buffalo. I think that that's a pretty good thing to do with Philip Rivers. And with Andrew Luck, it was because he, he was getting injured all the time and he didn't want to end up not having a life after football. So it's like, I think those kinds of things are, you can push back. Jacoby Percet, I think it's awesome. It's it's two. I would say the jury's out on Frank Reich as an offensive genius or or whatever you want we want to say. But I think like this is the this is the time where he can prove it. He takes some other quarterback and turns them into uh into like a, a playoff team or at least like a like a, a a wild card team because that's what you need in Indianapolis for that success to continue for him to keep his job. He needs that. And it, it, there's just we're never going to know the entire story of what's happening in in Indianapolis and for a team that is uh historically seen as a very very well-run organization. I don't know what the fuck's happening there right now. Yeah, I mean, I think all I, I think it's just kind of a wait and see type thing, right? Like there were various moments last season where Washington looked like they were a playoff caliber team. And there were various moments where it looked like Washington was maybe one of the worst teams in the NFL um, yeah. and not a lot of space in between there. Um, the issue, I, I think the ultimate thing is with Carson Wentz is that Carson Wentz is, you know, he's an okay quarterback. He's a good quarterback, right? Four to one touchdown to interception ratio, three to one overall his career. Those are solid numbers. There's plenty of teams that would take that. If Mitchell Trubisky had, if Mitchell Trubisky threw 27 touchdowns and seven interceptions his last year in Chicago, Justin Fields never would have been drafted, right? But Carson Wentz isn't a quarterback that makes anybody on the field better because he's on the field the way that Russell Wilson does, the way that Aaron Rodgers does, the way that 
Patrick Mahomes does, the way that Justin Herbert does, the way that Joe Burrow does, the way that like the list kind of goes on and on and on here. Carson Wentz just doesn't fit that uh, that mold. And and the issue with Washington is that I don't think there's anybody in this draft that does fit that mold. It, again, it just it's overall it just seems like a, the best of a terrible situation for both teams involved. Um, but yeah. let's talk about our final trade here which is uh, we're finally going defensive. Khalil Mack um, gets traded to the Los Angeles Chargers for a second and a sixth round pick pending physical here. Um, the Chargers are going to eat his entire contract, which opens up a huge amount of co- uh, cap space for the Chicago Bears. But let's talk about it. I mean, there was we were kind of curious. We were questioning what the Bears were going to do given their uh, head coaching hire, given uh, what the team was going to be working with and who they were reasonably going to be letting go. And I know that we had kind of hinted at the idea of Khalil Mack being traded, but now that it's a reality, what's your guys' opinion on both the Chargers now adding such a lethal pass rusher to go with Bosa and uh, the Bears getting rid of their best defensive player um, and the guy that they sold the entire barn away for uh, to get with the Raiders a couple years ago? Yeah, I think for Chicago, they're going to be going into – not a full rebuild, kind of like what the Lions are doing, but a mini rebuild because – they do have some franchise guys, guys in place. You know, Justin Fields, I think, is the guy. Daryl Mooney looks like the number one wide receiver guy. Um, David Montgomery has been doing some nice things along with Khalil Herbert at the running back position. Uh, Jalen Johnson at cornerback. Eddie Jackson at safety, so on and so forth. So, and Roquan Smith. so they do have some guys. I think they'll take this year to just kind of uh, build up to what they want to be. I know Ryan Poles, the GM, has said – he wants to invest in the old line. So I think that'll take a while to um, really get some guys there. And I think they can kind of let the old guard go. So, you know, they already got rid of Khalil Mack. I think they'll let Allen Robinson walk, Akeem Hicks walk, um, and so on and so forth. And then I think next year, once the, you know, the TV deals come in and everything money-wise shoots up, I think that's when they start to really compete. So I think they're going to take a step back this year and really build to what they want to be and let Justin Fields develop. Um and see what he can actually do when he doesn't have to play for Matt Nagy. Um, but with the Chargers, if I'm Derek Carr, I want to get traded out there. If I'm Patrick Mahomes, I want to get traded out of division. From, um, I don't want to go against Khalil Mack and Joey Bucks. Are you kidding me? That That's the potential to be like one of the best pass rushing dudes we've ever seen. And if they're lucky enough to get like a Jordan Davis at like 17 to put in the middle of that, you might as well just retire. Um, I think I think that was a really good move by Tom Telesco. Um, and, I and I think they're kind of inspired to what their other LA team, the Rams, did and just pushing all their chips in the middle. I think that's a really good trade. And don't not even give up a first-rounder for a guy like Khalil Mack. Um, it's because Chicago didn't have a first-rounder to give to them. Yeah, that's true. Um, but still... <laughs> Uh, to not have to go up with that much capital oh, wait, no, to get a, a, yeah, but to not even have to give up a first rounder for Khalil Mack, I think that's huge. Um, I think that puts him in a better position. We saw Chicago trades Khalil Mack and a first round pick. First for round, a no, I was so confused. I was so confused for a second. I, I was like, yeah, I, I would just kind of let it. Like, I, I think me and Mitch had the same wave. Like, we let it go because yeah. like he'll figure it out at some point. <laughs> yeah, just so used to his doggy York Chicago for not having any picks that I was like, oh. <laughs> before anybody else does. Sorry, Mitch. Go ahead. Keep you finish your yeah, point. Yeah, but I think for I think it's a huge move for a team that you know we saw Justin Herbert in that uh, 
game against the Raiders that are that close to finally getting in. And I think that's a huge move for them to do. And they, and I think they still have a couple moves to make. Obviously, they need a, a right tackle because Brian Balaga can't be counted on. Um, obviously, the defensive tackle and linebacker position, that run defense, we saw how horrible it is when Josh Jacobs was winning them the game in that game. Um, so if they make some adjustments there, I think the Chargers are finally able to get over that hump, which they've have looted them for fucking years. So I think this is a tremendous move by the Chargers, and I can't wait to see what they do um, going forward with free agency, the draft still available to them. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna look at the other side and see and say why this is actually a good move for Chicago, um, because it is. Uh, we kind of talked – I mean, it is. Like, we've talked about um, – Brady has talked ad nauseum about – Chicago having so many players that they need to resign and not having any cap space for it. Um, trading away Khalil Mack, they eat that cap, which is great for Chicago. Um, plus the what twenty five million dollars that they're getting an increase in. Now you know what? I have, if the, you're I all... have the actual numbers here if you'd like them. Yes, please. Um, so the way that it works out, the Bears are going to eat twenty four million in dead cap no matter what. So for this year, their cap is only going to increase six point one five million for the trade. But the trade opens up thirty point, uh, sorry, twenty eight point five million next year, and twenty six point three million the year after that. So it it frees up uh, forty five million dollars over the next two two seasons from now. But this year, it's not going to have a huge effect on it. Okay. Okay. Well, and like, like we've said that they're going to have other players that they're probably like the yeah. reports have already said that Allen Robinson is leaving the, and, and he did, he had a down year. We can see that Justin Fields had a, a much better chemistry with D- Darnell Mooney than he did with really anybody else on that team. So it makes sense. Akeem Hicks has been injury prone. So it makes sense. If he walks, you had Robert, not Robert Floyd. Yes. No. Robert, Robert Quinn. Quinn. Yeah. Robert Quinn had an amazing season that oh, we yeah. did without Khalil Mack on the other side. Khalil Mack yeah. missed 10 games this season. So yeah. it wasn't like he had a fully healthy Khalil Mack on the other side. So it's so like that that's part of it too. You have the pieces of a good defense sitting there. Um, and now that you have, you know, some good cap space, I can think of a couple offensive linemen that are free agents this year that you should pursue very, very, very heavily, like Teron Armstead, like Ryan Jensen, um, like Eric Sheriff. Fish. Yeah, Sheriff, Eric Fisher is reportedly not going to be re-signing with the, or staying with the Colts. That's somebody you can go to. You have more draft capital now. Trade for some of those for some of those guys. Like try to get some of that offensive line if you're heavily invested in that, do it. Some other pieces that you need, you have a pretty good young linebacking core, but try to get some other guys in there. Your defensive line needs help now because you aren't going to have some of these guys. They have a lot of options to do and Chicago is actually in a pretty good position both in draft capital and in uh in actual cap room now for the first time in a while since the Cleo Mac trade four years ago, which that was four years ago, guys. That's fucking crazy. So yeah. like, so like I, I'm going to say that again, both of these teams are doing what they needed to do. And I would not be surprised if Chicago ships off some other guys in the near, near future, because they need to, to, to eat up, some, to get some cap space and to, uh, to get some more draft capital, because I, I feel like they're going to, they're going to be one of the busier, um, busier teams this offseason in terms of trying to get some talent and get some protection for Justin Fields. Them and the Bengals. Those are going to be the two active teams. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Um, Listen, like, the Bears, by getting a second-round pick on this trade, again, it's pending physical, but there's no real reason to believe 
Khalil Mack wouldn't pass that in some way. Um, he did, he did miss 10 games this season. Um, but by having a pair of second round picks now, if the bears liked somebody enough to move up into the first round, they could do it. They probably couldn't get any higher than maybe like 16 or 18 total. Um, but they could move up into that first round with a pair of second round picks. You can pick up some really solid offensive linemen that would help you out. Now, now you had a, uh, you had some really pretty okay play out of Tevin Jenkins uh, last season when he was healthy, you know, but the issue was that he missed so much of the start of that season. But I think his first game was that like Sunday night game against green Bay when they jumped out to that big lead and it collapsed. Um, but you, the fact that this opens up, Again, $28.5 million in cap space in 2023 and $26.3 in 2024. Given the cap increases we're already anticipating, we're talking about this move possibly opening up $50 million in cap space in each of those years, if you include it with the cap increases that are, are expected there, right? The Bears only have 18 players on roster schedule or uh, under contract through 2023. The Bears are going to have the cap space to completely rebuild this roster in whatever form or fashion they choose to. And given that we watched a Philadelphia Eagles team that none of us expected to be anywhere close to the playoffs last year, make the playoffs this year, there's no reason to believe that with a competent offseason, the Chicago Bears can't slip themselves back into that seven seed and possibly get a 10 and seven record. Right. Especially with us thinking, especially with us thinking of a downturn from like Minnesota and Detroit still not being there yet. Minnesota not being there, Detroit not being there. Um, you know, the, the, uh, giants still look like they're not going to be like, if we talk about a lot of those like teams that aren't immediately in the playoffs, right. Um, Seattle, we've already agreed upon is going to be bad this upcoming season. The, the NFC, entire NFC South is NFC, bad. Like somebody has to get in just because somebody has to get in, but it like the entire NFC South is bad. Um, but at the same time, like, again, we had to, I kind of have to go back to some of the points I made about the Broncos, which is that like, again, first year head coach with no NFL coaching experience before inherited a team that does have a lot of holes and a lot of problems inherited a team that is already um, going through quite a few issues and has ownership that has proven to not exactly be competent and is just now working through the process of letting go how much power the ownership group has over the Chicago bears. And even then it's still a very like, uh, 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 slow progress in order to to get the McCaskey family to kind of relinquish control to people who know what they're doing in the NFL. Um, there's huge questions here. Like now we look at this bears defense that again, yeah, it was four years ago, but let's think about this guys four years ago when the bears were 12 and four walking into that playoff game against the Philadelphia Eagles, this looked like a bears team that was going to be there to stay in the NFC four years later, almost no one on that defense is there anymore. What Eddie Jackson might be the only guy left from that defense now. Maybe Roquan Danny Smith. Tre- Roquan yeah, Smith. Roquan Smith, definitely. Uh, you know, Danny Trevathan, if he ends up coming back. But, like, we're talking about two of the 11 or three of the 11 guys total from that really solid defense four years ago are going to be on the team next year. Um, so there's huge holes here that have to be filled with Chicago. They have the capital now to do it. They have the cap space to do it. Not necessarily this year, but – we also talk about, man, who knows what Green Bay is going to look like two years from now. Imagine the Packers dealing with the cap hell that they're dealing with right now next season, and the Bears having an extra $50 million and a good young quarterback on roster. It looks good for Chicago. Um, for the Chargers, this is just fucking scary. Like, it's just scary. You finally get a full season out of Derwin James. 
now if Bosa can stay healthy, if you can get Khalil Mack to stay healthy, and remember, like he never missed a game in his career with the Raiders, and he had two full seasons in Chicago where he never missed a game. Um, even uh, like last year, he missed 10. His first season, he missed uh, three and a half. Um, so if you can get 16, hell, if you can even get just 14 games out of Khalil Mack and pair him with Bosa, that's solid enough for this Chargers team, yeah. even in a tough AFC to win 10 or 11 games as needed to get into the playoffs. The guy, yeah. The guy still had six sacks in seven games. Like. Yeah. He still had six sacks. <laughs> like he's, he's still a solid, he's still an absolutely solid <laughs> player. And then we talk about the fact that like there is going to be other pass rushers like uh, available in this draft. There's going to be other linebackers. They have the capital that they can um, invest in that defense or continue to invest in the defense like Staley kind of wants to. But you add on the fact that they didn't have to give up a first round pick to, to get Khalil Mack, a guy who was who two first round picks were given up in order to get him in the first place. That's huge. That's massive. That all points in the right direction. I love what the Chargers doing. Also, shout out to them re-signing. Uh, uh, um, Mike Williams. Mike Williams. Uh, like that was a huge move. Like there's great, there's solid things that are happening with the Chargers right now. It's just that unfortunately the, the kind of the storylines through the rest of the AFC West are a little bit more predominant than what's going on in Los Angeles. And even the storylines in Los Angeles are more predominant than what's going on in Los Angeles. Um, but no, I mean, this, this is of all these trades, this is the one where I'm very happy with both teams. I don't have a huge issue with it with both teams. And I can't say that about any of the other trades that yeah. we've discussed so far. Yeah. This puts this, this is the one trade that puts them both in good position moving forward. Oh, it's yeah. like every other one you're like, okay, well in Denver, Seattle, it's pretty obvious that, you know, Denver came out ahead on that one because Seattle's going to have a rough couple of years. And the Indianapolis-Washington one, who knows? They're both in shitty positions. Yeah. We can see what happens. So it's like, I mean, yeah. So it is what it is. Exactly. Like it, it, unfortunately, it is what it is. And the thing is, is like this, this could completely not work out for both teams, right? Yeah. When we, I remember us very distinctly talking about one of our, for the first episode Skyler was on was a Chicago Bears preview episode. We talked very distinctly about the fact that we still couldn't tell two years ago who won the Raiders Bears Khalil Mack trade. We couldn't tell at that point, right? I think four years now removed, we still can't. I don't think either team fucking won that trade. I no. think I think two years removed now, neither team has won the Jamal Adams trade. I think that we might we might talk two seasons from now and say that neither team uh well, no, because the Rams won a Super Bowl, so I can't say the Matthew Stafford trade. Never mind. But um there's like we don't know who's going to win a lot of these trades, but for the, uh, for this one, it's really low value on both sides. Like the chargers are given up a second, a sixth, and cap space, but cap space that can be moved around given increases. And the bears are getting rid of a shit ton of cap space, losing their best pass rusher, but putting themselves in the best position to succeed. Maybe not next season, but maybe in two or three seasons, maybe four or five seasons, or to do something that Chicago has never done before which is build a consistent team that can be successful for 10 seasons, maybe not super well, yeah, contender, yeah. but successful for 10 seasons, you know? Yeah. And I think, I think the thing too, is that like with Chicago, it's kind of like getting to the point where I think that us, how we've, we've kind of been like, you just need to bite the fact that the Khalil Mack trade wasn't worth it. No, like you just need to back and you need to get rid of them. Like, and I think not, like good. arguments can be made where like, it could have been worth it. Had they not already given up first round picks for Mitchell Trubisky. It could have been yeah. worth it had they not then turned around and given up a first round pick last year to get Justin Fields. Like that's maybe the if only they that's been... the only one that 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 is the only one where I would be like that one was worth it. 
Justin yeah. Fields, Justin Fields, first round pick. That was worth it. Maybe that one we, I can like, say. It, we it's still too it's still too early to say. Justin Fields could go out week one and and have a Joe Theismann esque injury and never play NFL. No, yet. Like, we just, right. you know, We don't know. It's one season in which he didn't well, even like, start well, the whole season, you know? Well, like what I'm saying though, is that like, if I'm giving up two first round picks for a defensive end, who again is a once in a generational talent, like he is like, okay, that can make sense. But looking back on it with 2020 hindsight, I'm like, eh. with the Mitchell Trubisky one, there was no signs at the present to mm. say that he was worth draft trading up for the second overall pick to pick Mitchell Trubisky with this one, where you're going, the guy that everybody thought that who could be the second overall pick who could have been a first overall pick is available at 11 and you have the opportunity to trade up and get him. Mm-hmm. Like that's the one where that he had multiple years of success and in college um, was a Heisman uh, finalist, like two years in a row. Like that's the one where I can go. That one makes sense on paper. <laughs> like on yeah. paper, that makes sense. So like, that's why I'm saying it. Like that's the one where I don't have a problem with it because it, there is, there's legitimate reasons why you would want to trade up for that. one. So like that, that's, that's really where I'm at with that one. But I agree with you, Brady. I think we're not going to be able to tell who's going to win some of these trades until a couple years down the line. Yeah. Sorry, Waffles was barking. Uh, uh, no yeah like i don't think we're gonna know anybody there's gonna be no indication like the easy indication on these things is like if one of these teams win the super bowl if denver seattle indianapolis washington chicago or the chargers win a super bowl in the next two seasons these trades are are infinitely worth it the really funny thing though is that after the carson once trade happened washington's odds for winning the super bowl went down yeah right i thought that was fucking (laughs) hilarious um but that uh, that is oh no I'm sorry we have our hero in our putts um, yeah. uh, so um, uh, if somebody has their hero they can go yeah. first while I just grab mine real quick I got you so I got uh, two heroes for this episode uh, let's see where's that uh, so, so for my second hero it goes out to um a guy who went to an Idaho Vandals game, I think it's right now about like a week or two ago and sat right behind the broadcasters. And once the camera came on to like the broadcasters to see them talk, he pulled open and opened his shirt and, and he brought a plaque that said that he won his uh, softball league and he brought like his whole team with him. And I think that's just amazing that he's that proud of winning his softball league and he got that kind of uh, press for it. That is awesome. Yeah. And then uh, my, like, number one hero of the episode goes to uh, former Ohio State Buckeyes lineman Harry Miller, uh, who just medically retired um, due to mental health issues. And he went into a – he had a big, like, quote, uh, tweet – and he went into like his notes and wrote a really lengthy post about how he's been dealing with depression, uh, how he would cut his wrist with a box cutter and stuff. Um, and I just want to give props to uh, Harry Miller for opening about that, which I know it's really hard, especially for men who have to deal with these kind of issues. All three of us know what that's like. Um, so I just want to give props to him for being that courageous and being able to tell his story and for doing what's best for him, um, you know, retiring from football, even though it would be fun to be a starting lineman for an Ohio State, you know, he's doing what's best, you know, for his mental health and well-being. And I just wish him all the best. And I'm just, for him to know that he's going to have so much support. 
Uh, so I also have two heroes. Uh, one goes to uh, the Ukrainian Special Olympics or uh, Paralympic, sorry, Paralympics uh, uh, like team um, because they were protesting the war in Ukraine um, that was happening while they're at the uh, Paralympics in um, Para Winter Olympics in Beijing. Um, so I have to give them mad props because they're using their um, they're using their platform to protest an injustice that's happening in their own country and to like all again to like all of the Ukrainian um, athletes that are out there that like can't go home and can't participate and can't do be with the people they love like my heart goes out to you way to continue to use your voice to be able to help um, to help everyone that that's struggling right now and again like I know that I know that my like heart and head is with you guys like almost 24 seven, you guys are doing an amazing work out there. And I, I just know the world's behind you. Um, we do see you, we do hear you and we do want what's best for you. Uh, the other one that I want to say is it's kind of a sat satirical a little bit, but it's Nebraska fans just because the, the fucking hilarity that is us right now, um, because we're both some of the best and some of the worst fans that exist in college sports. Uh, one, we set records for like, you know, attendance for like, very stupid sports like we have great attendance for baseball we go out and support our women's volleyball and women's basketball teams like i said the two most broadcasted or two most audiences in btn net btn history for a women's basketball game was the two most recent nebraska women's basketball games that's fucking awesome i absolutely love it but then we're also apparently like a top 10 rivalry with ourselves on twitter like <laughs> Nebraska Twitter is one of my favorite. Nebraska my Twitter favorite is things. Nebraska Twitter is great, but like I also just love us because like Casey Thompson, who just came to Nebraska from Texas, said that like we're one of the top schools in NIL because of just how connected we are with the student athletes. Like he's only been here for like two or three months, and you can't walk down the city of Lincoln without people asking for pictures with him. So it's just like like the good parts of like what Nebraska what Nebraska fans are. I absolutely love Nebraska fans. We're amazing. We're much better in person than we are online. I promise. Like if you like these two know they've been to a Nebraska game. We're very very nice fun. Uh, fun fans. They uh, were if you if you know Wisconsin fans were very except for that one guy in the bathroom. Except for the one guy in the bathroom, that fuckhead. <laughs> I think um, he was just really jealous <laughs> of my hat. That's all. Um, but like, what I also say is like, I've been to Madison. Wisconsin fans give me the same vibe. Um, our student section's just a lot nicer than theirs is. Um, <laughs> oh, shit. Our our student section has never been banned from a football game. Um, <laughs> uh so that that's part but like like that's that's what i love i love the 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 uh duality that is nebraska fans and i i do not i do not appreciate you guys enough you guys are we're great yay we'll all suffer together um yeah so my hero uh a little bit this guy's end is just kind of sports twitter because like we we live in a in a, in a hellscape we um, live in a society yeah <laughs> the level of the level of generosity humor compassion but also just sheer shit posting that exists all, all across the internet and especially on sports twitter is one of my favorite things that i've ever seen the fact that the fact that you had like in this week we've already talked about the jerry judy twitter twitter thing that's happening we had kd tweeting about um uh uh LOLing fans who were DMing him about uh, blowing their parlays and shit. Love it. 
we have the Twitter beefs that I see all the time between like, you know, Packer fans, guys that I follow, like uh, Kenny Clark and Marquez Valdez. And that base. Oh God. I fucking so love fucking their interactions. Funny. Like the fact that the fact that the fact that Aaron Rodgers' Twitter profile picture is him holding up his pinky toe. Like it's a fun little distraction from the fact that like, we're probably going to end up in nuclear war in the next six months in the next six months, six months, Jesus Christ. Um, so yeah, he might be coming back too. Um, so there's there's a lot to there's a lot in the world to be really sad about and yet sports twitter just kind of it keeps coming it keeps bringing me back and it gives me just that little bit of joy and so thank you sports twitter um so let's uh let's very quickly here uh or not very quickly i don't give a fuck um putzes mitch who you got yep so my putz goes to former wisconsin badger safety scott nelson uh, the dude decided at his uh, pro day that happened like a couple days ago to run a four three eight in the forty, but never in his four or five year career show that speed in one fucking game. Um, you Brady can agree with me. There's not one play, one instance, one complete game where he showed any of that kind of. And he ran a fucking four three eight forty. We would not have lost to Penn State week one. I can tell you that. Fucking for sure. Or or Penn State in the championship game, or Ohio State in the 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 most recent one, not the not the fifty five yeah, yeah, yeah. blowout. Yeah. Um, but the one where it was close. Uh, so you know, fuck you for being slow as a snail for five years and then deciding at your pro day to run a four three eight. Fuck I think it's the Nelson. I think it's just that the pads are too heavy for him. I think they just slow him down. Must uh, be. Maybe it's the I, fact I, that that our guys wear white socks, so they just look like they're running slower than they actually are. Uh, I, I forgot one more hero. Bryce McGowan's uh, freshman for Nebraska uh, yeah. did go to the Nebraska State basketball tournament happening right now. And like as soon as he got off the plane from the Big Ten tournament, he went and was uh, talking with all of the high schoolers like for both oh, the men's cool, and women's. Man. So like yeah. like that's awesome. Um, but putts, Big Ten officials, you and me, we, we got a gripe. I I don't know what it is. I don't know why you hate Nebraska athletics so much, why you try to hand the games to opposing teams. Like, I'm sorry, the fact that you, that Wisconsin still lost that game without all of your help, like with all of your help is baffles me because I'm sorry. Like, how do you turn a a clear charge into a blocking foul? How does one get a technical for looking at an official? Hmm. I don't know how that happens. And you know what? I will agree. Trey McGowan's did deserve a flagrant, but a flagrant fucking two you assholes i'm very glad that davis is doing okay it's very awesome but like i'm sorry another one you know you land on a basketball player and you or a basketball player lands on you and you try to get up apparently that's also worth a fucking technical like i'm sorry guys i i know that it seems like i'm just taking this out of nowhere that nebraska is like oh woe is me we are being no like brady can agree with me some of these fucking calls that are happening against nebraska what the fuck is happening? I sat there in the Northwestern game and went, oh, if Nebraska did that, that would have been a technical. Oh, that would have been a flagrant. Bryce McGowan's got his head, like there was an imprint from the Northwestern players, like hand on his, oh, yeah. on his forehead. I saw that. that was if Nebraska shit. had done that, that would have been a flagrant too, apparently. Hoiberg like, would have been executed on five, the five game suspension. <laughs> like, 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 I'm sorry. Like, that's it's fucking stupid. I said the amount of tweets that I sent to these two of different players <laughs> traveling and doing stupid shit yeah. against Nebraska that was never called. Like, it is it is ridiculous. I honestly think that between the officials and just the Big Ten organization as a whole, they don't want Nebraska part of of the Big Ten anymore. I think they're trying to run us out and like. 
because I'm sorry, it's getting really, really tiring as a Nebraska fan to go into a game and go, oh yeah, not only do we not have to fuck up shit ourselves, but we also have to hope that the refs are blind. <laughs> Got it. Right. Right. Um, no, I mean, that's fair. Like, like there's, there, there, there's been some pretty egregious shit that's done. And I know that everybody would sit, everybody sits down and goes, oh, well, I can name a million times in which my team got fucked over by a call. But it's, it's, if you're able to sit back the way that like me and Mitch have been able to here, like very recently, be able to like sit back and look at these games and be like, okay, yeah, that, that is actual bullshit. Like remove your own personal bias out of the situation. Like we talked about the Wisconsin Nebraska football game definitely was pass interference on the last play of game. There's no doubt yeah. about it. There should have been right? a holding. You're there right. should have been a holding. Like, we've talked, we've talked about it a million times, but like we all sat there and agreed and we agreed in the moment as well, which was like that play should have been redone. Like there's no doubt about that. That play yeah. should have been redone. The, the stuff with the basketball games are another beautiful example of that. I don't know if it's personal. I don't know if it's just that if it's that Warren has a fucking like, heart on for the Huskers, I don't know what it is, but it's it, like, it seriously? is it is ridiculous. Um, like I seriously, have, has anyone ever has anyone ever seen a basketball player get a technical for looking back at the opposing team and a ref? I've yeah. never seen that in my entire fucking life. The only thing, the only thing that brings me any solace is that we were able to beat Wisconsin on on uh, uh, the flop Davison senior night. That's all that I can say because that guy flops worse than any other fucking player I've seen in college basketball. Um, that's fair. I think that's a fair <laughs> criticism. Um, so uh, I have two putzes. The first one is going to go to Juwan Howard and the Michigan Wolverines because fuck them. Um, <laughs> they blew. They allowed Indiana to go on a forty-three to eight. Uh, run to close the game out they blew their lead they they're fucking fuck michigan howard uh for being a piece of shit to greg guard and the assistant coach then for being a fucking drunkard who got a dui gets suspended shows up in his fucking first game and just tanks like that fuck you juan howard i actually have nothing against juan howard i just think he's a prick um but honestly just fuck michigan i fucking hate michigan with such a passion like the passion that i used to hate nebraska with just out of sheer spite I has now been transferred pretty exclusively to Michigan. No, it was just rivalry spite, you know, toxic masculinity. Um, So, but then my second putz is going to go to the British government for instituting um, sanctions to force the Chelsea owner to sell the team, but then not allow him to actually sell the team at all. Like, it's really difficult to sit there and be like, Hey, we're going to try to do the right thing. But then when he has the opportunity to do the right thing. And now granted the dude's a piece of shit. Like he owns the largest steel mill or, or largest steel producer that the Russians use to build their tanks. He's a fucking, he should be a war criminal in this situation, but he is trying to do the thing that the British government wants him to do. And that the people want him to do, which is sell the team, but he can't fucking do it because the British government won't allow him to do it based off of the sanctions. It just, it doesn't make any fucking sense. And I don't know, maybe it's English logic that as you know, uh, yeah. an, an Englishman two generations removed. I don't necessarily know, but it's it, I, it, it doesn't make any fucking sense to me. Um, the saddest and, uh, part about that is uh, I don't know how truthful he was, but the Chelsea owner did say that all the proceeds of the sale of Chelsea would go to Ukraine. So that's kind of the sad part. In yeah, like this he whole had ordeal. He had advised the board of governors, who's in charge of the team right now, in order to basically try to sell it, that any proceeds from the sale after everybody was was paid out is is the thing that you have to keep in mind but after everybody was paid out would go to various uh uh, charities set up to help uh the ukrainian refugee crisis and to rebuild ukraine but 
it's, and, again, it's that catch 22, which is like, I'm going to, yeah, you guys can have all this money to do that, but also it's my fucking tanks that are blowing up the cities. So take yeah, it for, you know, take, you. take it a grain of salt. See, but just, just to get into like some of that, of the, like the British government's policies as well. They just recently overturned like a horrible visa program that wasn't allowing Ukrainians to go to Britain. Like you had to like be uh, either have immediate family in Britain or like, cause so like even people that were married to British citizens couldn't go to Britain. So it's like, they just reversed that. So like, there's a lot of what's happening in, in Britain and in England that is like making it harder for Ukrainians to like, do you think for you for there to be help for Ukraine? So like, we'll see. I'm sure that like eventually they'll probably get it so that they can unfreeze the Chelsea asset so that they can send it. But some other things that go into it is that like they can't like as of right now they can pay their players and they can still play games. But other than that, they can't sell any tickets as of right now. I believe because that would be money going towards the team, mm-hmm. um, and they can't like like gain or sell any of their players so like all of that's frozen right now um so like that's part of it too where it's like it's not like when they freeze the asset of chelsea it's not just like oh he can't sell the team there's a lot of like the finances around the team that they can't do now because of of that being technically a frozen asset yeah it's it, i don't know i mean it, yeah, it's a fucked situation one way or another. But that's Start our another revolution and show them what's what. Yeah. Vive la revolution. Um, yeah. Um, but that's our episode for everybody. We appreciate you guys tuning in. We're going to have a great set of episodes coming up. NFL free agency is right around the corner. So is the draft. MLB baseball is going to be starting up here very soon. March Madness. Um, March Madness is right around the corner. The USFL is going to be showing up here pretty soon. Um, we have uh, the NBA playoffs are right around the fucking corner. Like this is uh, yeah. simultaneous. This is this weird, like semi-slow period right before the shit hits the fan and it's about to hit the fan. And it's going to be insane. We're excited to take you on the journey with us. We appreciate everybody for tuning in. Have a fantastic night. <laughs>